0: Way back and I'm
1: yeah. the Hello. Watch the moon and smile. Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. Live in the Skyline Studio. We are here until 4 o'clock. Um, and uh, as we are every weekday morning, 11 p.m. to 4 a.m. And uh, it is uh, Sunday into Monday. And uh, we are going to, uh, my dad is going to call in and tell a joke. And it's actually exciting, because this morning, when my dad calls in to tell the joke, it'll be joke number 300. (laughs) 300 jokes, my dad has uh, told. Well, he will. That's joke number 300 coming up later on this morning. Very cool. Hey, if you have any uh, sports memorabilia, or cards, or memorabilia of any kind, uh, and you're wondering what it's worth... Uh, Michael Osaki is going to join us from dot He is an expert and um, he uh, he can tell you, you know, what what your stuff is worth. And uh, and we'll talk about that too. And lots of other uh, sports related issues to talk with Michael about and he'll join us a little bit later on. Uh 312-981-7200 is the phone number if you would like to join us. And uh, we have uh, Walter's perspective, good old Walter Jacobson. He does his perspective um, every uh, Sunday night, and we're very excited about that. Um, And um, we're going to talk about uh, much more. We've got the canned tuna price-fixing scandal to talk about. Uh, a Japan University awards its first ninja studies degree. You would take some ninja studies. Well, welcome back, by the way. Tom oh, is here. Oh, thank you. Back. He was thank off you, for you. a couple of days last week. Yes, yes. Um, but you're back. Mm-hmm. Would you take a ninja, a ninja study group? Hmm. Well... It'd be tough for me. I'm not a svelte person. No, you know? you're not. I, I'm a little bit conspicuous, which is a strike against me for being a, a yeah. ninja, I suppose. Yeah. But I guess if I could learn how to you know, do those throwing stars and stuff and wear you know, all black garb and sneak around, that sounds like mm-hmm. a good time. Nunchucks? Nunchucks. That's a big plus. Yeah. I don't have nunchucks. Never own nunchucks. Um, sounds like a good I've, time. I've never owned nunchucks either, but I have a friend who's really good at it. Like, really good. Like, not Bruce Lee good, but impressive. Very impressive. Uh, We're also going to talk about brands that are still made right here in America. And in a couple of seconds, we're going to talk about hot dogs. Because the Vienna Beef Factory is going to close down. And that makes me sad. I've been there many, many times. Just the smell around that neighborhood. When you as you get closer to the Vienna Beef place. Oh. So they're closing it down and they're gonna they're gonna put up a driving range in its place. So but that place I love that place. I remember when the grand opening. I remember the grand opening there. What is it? Elston and Fullerton, right? Is it Elston and Fullerton? It's close to Fullerton. Um but yeah, it's closing down. So we're gonna talk hot dogs. So, um, it's sad. I really, I really, uh, I really enjoyed that place. Yeah, it's right over by Elston. It's technically a Damon. It's, uh, oh, Damon and Elston. Twenty-five hundred one yeah, North Damon. That's it. Yeah. But it's right by Elston, Fullerton. It's right by the bridge. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful, beautiful location right next to the Chicago River. Yeah. So uh, it's closing down. Uh, we wanted to say uh, Sue is just calling in. Hi, Sue.
2: Hi. Hi. <laughs> I just wanted to call and say hi, oh. and I'm, I'm I'm very glad <laughs> I'm very glad to be talking to you. You're one of my favorite people on WGN. That oh. you really are. Well, I appreciate
1: that, Sue. Thanks <laughs> very much. I have to say,
2: you are my most favorite person. Oh, <laughs> that's WGN. really sweet.
1: That's very very sweet, <laughs> Sue. Thank you so much.
2: Yeah, you're glad to be able to say hi to you. You're calling and, uh, from Laporte. Hope you have a nice rest of the. I was going to say night, but almost day now.
1: Yeah, it'll be morning soon.
2: Yeah, it will. Okay, okay thanks, Nick. Sue. Yeah, right, you're bye. welcome.
1: That was sweet. That's a nice way to start off the show, just someone calling in, saying some nice stuff. So, um, so the last day to purchase meats from the Vienna Beef Factory Store in Bucktown will be on July 3rd, according to a Facebook post. Um, to celebrate... The end of an era, the factory will have a 4th of July sale beginning on Friday. Throughout the years, we've loved seeing you all visit and take pictures at our factory store and cafe on Damon, the post said. While we're excited for the future, we're sad to announce that July 3rd will be its last day of business. It is truly an end of an era. Um, The Vienna Beef Factory, 2501 North Damon is moving out of its longtime Buck home, Buck, Bucktown home to be replaced by the Drive Shack, a $40 million driving range complex. Holy cow. $40 million? Just to hit some golf balls? The 102 Bay Climate Control driving range was initially questioned by neighbors, but one city council approval this year. It will include a restaurant, bar, and public river walk. Vienna Beef opened its um, opened its new location twenty sixteen in Bridgeport at thirty eight forty seven South Morgan Street. But the museum and the Bucktown Factory will not reopen after closing this year. It's such a cool place. Here is a you want a, fun fact. Um, my mom entered a Polish sausage eating contest at that location. <laughs> well, actually, my dad kind of entered her. I should say, the uh, the contest, and um, she was not very. She was very reluctant about it. She did okay. I can't remember how many she ate, but it was like a Polish sausage eating contest. Do you remember if she placed? Did she place? Like, no, uh, no. That's a shame. And it was right. I think it was like the opening. It was like part of the opening week, the festivities of you know when the when the when the Vienna place first opened. Um, but yeah, we uh, it made the newspaper. She didn't, but the, the whole contest and everything made the newspaper because it was like, but my, my, dad, my dad was like, hey, why don't you uh, do the Polish sausage eating contest? <laughs> so I'll never forget it. It was hilarious. My mom was not happy. Not that the, not that the Polish sausages were bad because, of course, you know, it's Vienna sausage, so it's going to be good. But it's kind of one of the last things that she wanted to do was enter a Polish sausage-eating contest. So we're going to talk about some of the best supermarket hot dog brands that you can buy and weird types of hot dogs from around the world. Uh Will you have a favorite hot dog? 312-981-7200. In honor of uh, Vienna sausage closing down. 312-981-7200. That's the Team Hochberg phone line. They're open now, and uh, we'll celebrate the world of hot dogs coming up right here on 720 WGN. Hello, Nick DiGilio here on 720 WGN. We're live in the Skyline studio here, 18 stories above beautiful downtown Chicago. It'll be a Monday morning, which means my dad's going to call in and tell a joke, and it's a special one because it's the 300th joke that my dad has told on the show. Joke number 300. That's a big milestone. Uh, coming up uh, after midnight, Mike, uh, Michael Osaki is going to join us. He's from Baseball in the Attic, and uh, he can tell you how much your uh, sports memorabilia is worth. He'll help you out. Um, and uh, we're also going to, we've got Walter's perspective coming up in just a little bit. Uh, Walter Jacobson always has his perspective, and we play it back on Sunday night and Monday morning. Um, and uh, Classic Carson. We always play back uh, Classic Johnny Carson. You can watch the Johnny Carson show every uh, night on Antenna TV and uh, we are going to play Johnny's 4th of July monologue cuz it is the week of 4th of July 4th of July is coming up it's uh saturday right for, yeah 4th of July is on saturday this year so it should be nuts considering how much fu- how my how much fireworks have been going off already um so i'm staying in on saturday that's for sure not going anywhere lockdown man so uh 312-981-7200 is the phone number is this uh, Erod? Ah, uh, Yes, Nicholas. How are you? All right. What's up?
3: Hey, I wanted to ask, with the closure of uh, Vienna, what impact do you, do you think is going to happen with hot dog stands?
1: Uh, I, I'm sure that hot dog stands are going to be fine. They're just closing. I mean, it's not like Vienna Beef is going out of business or anything. They're just closing down that one location, so it's not going to have any impact on on stores or Anything like that.
3: So, oh, okay. It's, just, okay. it's just
1: the factory mm-hmm. closing down, that's all. But Vienna Beef will continue, yeah. and they'll continue to sell a lot of hot dogs. There's no question about it.
3: Do you happen to know, I haven't Googled this, but do you happen to know where they'll be
1: coming from? Where who, where, who will be coming from? The hot dogs. <laughs> the factory is closed. Well, no, it, it, Vienna Beef didn't go out of, it's not going out of business, just that location Oh, okay, cool. So they're okay. going to con- they're going to continue to make hot dogs and sell hot dogs. It's just that that one location on Damon is closing down. It was like a museum and a factory. They're closing it down, but they're not going to stop production on hot dogs. Excellent, thank you, bro. All right, Have a take good care. Three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. Yeah, I think it's there's an alternate location that they opened back yeah. in twenty sixteen. Right. Yeah, Bridgeport? we just we just yeah, mentioned Bridgeport. it. It's in, it's in Bridgeport, so there's it, it, it's that's going to be there. It's just that the. The iconic place there over on Damon mm-hmm. is gonna close which is sad because I really love that place a 40 million dollar driving range isn't that nuts man have you've I've never been to an indoor driving range I know they're kind of a big deal yeah uh, I've never be, I've only been to one I've only been to one driving range um it was down when there used to be one used to be a driving range right on lakeshore Drive so people are you know right near lakeshore drive <laughs> people are pounding golf balls. Right over into the lake. Um, yeah, tr- truly, there was a driving range right there. Like, I think it was at Fullerton, if I'm not mistaken. I think it was, like, at Fullerton and Lakeshore Drive. And I'm surprised people just didn't turn around, you know, because they're, they're plunking. They used to also be, you know what else there used to be? Was um, a shooting range for, you know, when you shoot, what, what, what do you call it when you, when you, it was a shooting range where you would uh, shoot the clay pigeons. Right over the lake. So they would release the clay pigeons right over Lake Michigan and people with shotguns would shoot. I'm not making this up. I'm not making this up. This was right on Lakeshore Drive. Um Did you know that you that back in the day you could get some shotguns and shoot some clay pigeons right on Lakeshore Drive? Yeah, that was I only found out about that within the last year. And that's interesting to me. It was nuts. It's probably tons of fun. Tons yeah, of fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just that, you know, you'd be surprised to pick, like, and the, and the driving range was down there, too. There was a driving range down on Lakeshore Drive, too. So, yeah, just to think about that is nuts. Uh, the best supermarket hot dog brands that you can buy. This is from com. Do you have a favorite brand of hot dog? Do you have a favorite hot dog in general? We're celebrating hot dogs, it's getting close to the 4th of July and Vienna Beef is closing down. So you got to get in there and uh, and buy your Vienna beef stuff uh, and celebrate. If you've never been there, you, now's your chance to get in there and just check it out because it's really cool. Um, whether you take them with ketchup or mustard, no, no, you don't. You don't take them with ketchup. You don't do that. Doesn't Bon Appetit know that? I've often said this, Tom. You know this. If you're over five years old and you put ketchup on a hot dog, you should go directly to jail. (laughs) Uh, If you put ketchup, mustard, celery, salt, or pickles, or drenched it in ranch dressing. What? Drenched it in ranch dressing? Uh, You're pretty much bound by law to eat a hot dog on July 4th. Uh, to not do so would be unAmerican. But unlike men, all hot dogs are definitely not created equal, as we discovered over the course of uh, one hour last week as we blind tasted our way through nine popular supermarket brands in search of the finest frank of all. Twenty-seven boiled hot dogs later, here's what we found. We sampled nine hot dog brands um, that you might find that you can find at most supermarkets. Save for the Oscar Mayer Classics, we opted for all beef dogs. Okay. And we'll give you the results. Here's Matt on WGN. Hi, Matt.
4: Hello,
5: sir. First, uh, the driving range is actually at the Versi and
1: Lakeshore. It's, it's, it's attached to the mini golf course over there. Is it still there? Yes. It is. As far as I know, yeah. Oh, okay. I thought it was closed. I, I thought it was closed. I thought for sure it was closed. Well, well, I know the but. Sh- I know the shooting range doesn't exist anymore. Oh, God, can you imagine that anybody with a gun over
6: Lakeshore Drive? That was not an
1: no, it's in well. No, I can't believe that it existed. I can't believe it. People That's- shooting clay pigeons out of the sky right mm-hmm. next to Lakeshore Drive. It was nuts. Play Pigeons was actually a really good movie with
5: Walking Phoenix.
1: Yeah, I saw that one years ago. Yeah, Vince Vaughn is in that uh, one, too.
5: Oh, he, he, he is. You're right. He yeah. Is. Uh, before I let you go, uh, I just also wanted to point out that I stopped eating red meat a long time ago, and that includes pork. But I have to tell you, even when I ate hot dogs, I would never, ever put ketchup on a hot dog. Even when I was younger. Like, maybe ketchup on a burger. Yeah. Although I, I wasn't really too fond of that either. But what type of animal? <laughs> type of sick, depraved human puts ketchup on a hot dog.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's a law. Okay, thanks, Matt. Much love. Okay. to what kind of animal? A sick, depraved animal would put ketchup on a hot dog. I don't even put ketchup on my fries. I don't I don't, I don't do any uh, dipping. Yeah, really. I every once in a while I, mean, I do. I don't I don't hate ketchup. I don't mind a little ketchup here and there, like ketchup on my nuggets. But uh Yeah, no. I haven't I haven't had ketchup on a hot dog in a very long time. Well, I never put ketchup on a hot dog <laughs> ever. Do you remember when Heinz tried to get around it by calling it hot dog sauce or something like that? Yeah. Nice try, Heinz. It's not going to work. Didn't they combine ketchup and mayonnaise now? They've combined ketchup and mayonnaise. I think barbecue and mayonnaise. I don't understand that. Although you know, I mean, I do. When I have a burger, I do sometimes put mayonnaise and ketchup on it. So, you know. Yeah, you, you can get uh, what's it called? But they, it's like a combination, right? <laughs> well, yeah. Mayo chup. Yeah, mayo chup, mayo must. <laughs> Is that, that's a combination May- of mayo, mayo and, mustard. and mustard. You've got cranch. Cranch? Ketchup and ranch. <laughs> <laughs> in, my, in my town, we call that fancy sauce. Uh, and then mayo-Q. Mayo-Q. Barbecue with mayonnaise. Yeah, and they're just called saucy sauce. Mayo-Q saucy sauce. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, we sampled nine hot dog brands that you can find at most supermarkets, and they went with the beef options, the all-beef options. Now, here's what they tried. Nathan's Famous Skinless Beef Franks, Oscar Mayer Classic Wieners, Hebrew National Beef Franks, Hebrew National 97% Fat-Free Beef Franks, Sabrette Skinless Beef Frankfurters, never heard of that, Ballpark Beef Franks, Boar's Head Beef Frankfurters with Natural Casing, Applegate, the Great Organic Uncured Beef Hot Dog. And just fresh, direct, 100% grass-fed, organic, uncured beef hot dogs. So here's the, some of the results. Nathan's famous skinless beef franks, the green and yellow packaging, will be instantly recognizable to the anyone who grew up within driving distance of Coney Island's famous hot dog stand. Unfortunately, the packaged version just didn't stand up. To the ones we've eaten while walking on the boardwalk, although we like the texture, it has a nice elasticity. We were overwhelmed by the aggressively loud, salty, sweet flavors that dominated the dog. Similar to the way that a large dose of MSG can send your pleasure pass your pleasure sensors into overdrive, sugar wrote one tester. All of the flavors wrote another. So, uh, a little overwhelming. I like Nathan's hot dogs. You know, I can't say I've ever had a Nathan's. Oh, come on. Really? That's serious. Oh, you you should get a package. I'll try it out. I feel like, well, it's always been Vienna beef. Or, yeah. Usually it's Vienna beef. Sometimes I'll get the, uh, what's it, the kosher one? Hebrew National. Yeah. Hebrew National is a fine brand. It is. We've got a a couple of mentions of that in this article. But, uh, okay. Uh, 312 981 7200. Everybody hang on. We're uh, going to go back and uh, find out what the results are to the supermarket hot dog brands that uh, we're going to tell you about. Hey, it's Nick degilio on 720 WGN. Coming up after midnight, our good friend Michael Osaki is going to join us. He's with BaseballInTheAttic.com, and he can tell you how much your sports memorabilia is worth. If you got some stuff laying around in the closet somewhere, uh, you got some baseball cards or any kind of sports memorabilia, Michael's an expert, and he'll help you... Uh, Evaluate how much it's worth. So get your, uh, get your uh, memorabilia ready to go. Um, his website is baseballintheattic.com. And we've got some other sports memorabilia stories to talk about, plus taking your phone calls. 312-981-7200. Okay. We're talking hot dogs. The Vienna Beef uh, Factory over uh, on Damon is closing down. Which is too bad. I mean, Vienna Beef is still going to be in business. So you can always get Vienna Beef hot dogs and products and things like that. But just that one location is going to be closed. And it was a fun place. Really, really cool factory and really uh, a neat place. And it smelled good. Oh, it smelled good. Um, but there's going to be a $40,000. How much? $40 million? $40 million. Yeah, $40 million. Driving range that's going to go there. So it's a, di- a different type of links. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah, yeah. Oh, look at that. Somebody had their Henny Youngman juice this morning. Got a full cup. Uh, so we've been talking about hot dogs, and uh, the, um, Bon Appetit did a survey of the best supermarket hot dog brands that you can buy. They taste-tested all beef uh, hot dogs, nine different brands, and they've got the results here uh here's glenn on wgn go ahead glenn
7: hey nick i also have to say this the second best to be in the beef would have to be ballpark rings.
1: yeah that's my mom's favorite brand is uh
7: is... Oh, and another thing yeah i'm sorry i'll have to say you see me fighting godzilla with a pea shooter before i ever put ketchup on a hot dog
1: <laughs> that's quite an image right there glenn all right thanks glenn
6: all right take care nick yeah.
1: Yeah, that's my ballpark is ballpark Franks are my mom's favorite. And she doesn't like Oscar Mayer. Uh, I'm not an Oscar Mayer kid. Oh man, I grew up on him. I know. Listen, I know your bologna has a first name. Yeah, Oscar Mayer bologna, Oscar Mayer hot dogs. I You can't I don't know. Once once you get a taste of something like Vienna or even a ballpark I don't know, they just Well, a I, I, there's a real, you know, nostalgic Feeling that goes along with Oscar Mayer no hot doubt. dogs. There's no doubt. Um, you know, I mean, I grew up. That's those are the hot dogs I get when I was a kid. You ever have the uh, the um, ham and cheese? The ham and cheese. Yeah, the Oscar Mayer ham and cheese cold cut. Is it just one thing? Is it is the cheese in the ham? Yeah, it's like spe- wow. speckles of cheese throughout the uh, throughout oh, the ham. God. It's delicious. <laughs> I don't, I don't know about it's that. It's delicious. They put, so... They, it's like speckles of cheese throughout the, throughout the piece of meat. So they thought, so to them, the folks at Oscar Mayer, and I assume research and development, and their R&D place, they said, you know what the biggest problem about making a sandwich is? You have to get out the cheese separate. Yeah, no, now it's all combined. They just put it all in Little one speckles thing. Speckles of cheese throughout, the, throughout the, each slice. The height of modern convenience and luxury. Yeah, it's not processed at all. <laughs> it was it was it was made that way. Uh, that's another thing I grew up eating, so I like it. It, ca- it came from hogs that were also filled with cheese. Yeah. So Oscar Mayer classic wieners, as the saying goes, if I were an Oscar Mayer wiener, everyone would be in love with me, or something like that. The classic dogs of our childhoods lack the snap that we crave in a hot dog. Now that we're adults and fully grown. Uh, although several of us were into the slightly smoky flavor, yeah, it doesn't have that snap. I, I, you know, obviously, that a lot of people really like in a hot dog. Hebrew National 97% fat-free beef franks. The concept of a reduced-fat hot dog seems cruel, but we felt we had to throw in a package of beloved Hebrew National's version into the mix just to see how they stacked up. Let's just say we'll be sticking with the original version. We felt that the superior flavor um, and lemony aftertaste and texture. Now, I don't know this brand. Do you know Sabrett? S-A-B-R-E-T-T. Sabrett Skinless Beef Frankfurters. These were hands down the most polarizing hot dog brand that we tried. Several of us like Sabrett's aggressively meaty, salty flavor and relative firmness compared to the other brands that we tried. One taster said, this is what I think of as a hot dog. But a few dissenters were, let's just say, very put off by the taste. I've never heard of that, uh, that brand at all. Sabret. Sabret. S-A-B-R-E-T-T. Hmm. Sabret Skinless Beef Frankfurters. I will say I fell in love with Hebrew National when I was working at that camp every Friday. They would do a hot dog cookout for lunch. And the main perk for the for the counselors is that we got as many hot dogs as we want. Oh, that's nice. So we got to show that to the campers. Be like, look, I've got two hot dogs in this yeah. bun. And you can't have any. You get one. I'm just gonna eat it right in front of your face. You're a child. You get one hot dog. Uh, next, Ballpark Beef Franks. If you recently had oral surgery, this is, this is good. Wrote one... T- <laughs> Run Taster. That's pretty much all you need to know about these smooth-as-a-baby's-buttocks hot dogs. Although we agreed these silky, slippery links were probably the best bet for kids. They broke down a little too easily for our refined adult palates. A hot dog that doesn't require you to chew before swallowing just feels wrong. Ballpark. Uh, Here's Terry on WGN. Hi, Terry.
8: Hey, Nick, love the show. Hey, do you remember, I just got kind of going back to the um, the uh, conversation about the combined ham and cheese. I'm about six years old. I have never heard that before, and I would be one of those people that would prefer to do, you know, the cheese and the, and the meat separately. But another combined product, I think this goes back to the 70s, if I'm not mistaken, that was also, I think, a case, in my opinion, of the some not quite equaling the parts, was a com- a combination of peanut butter and jelly. I think it was called Goobers. Goober's.
1: Yeah, Goober. Do you remember that? Yeah. Oh yeah.
8: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I was a big peanut butter and jelly guy and that's probably all we were growing up. And for whatever reason I never found the com the combined ingredients and my, my mom bought it all the time. It was a novelty at first and I just couldn't I couldn't get used to it compared to the separate Peanut butter and jelly. I don't know if that was just my particular taste yeah. or if that was a common thing or what, but it just it didn't resonate the way the two separate ingredients go. Uh,
1: I grew up on Goober, on Goober grape. It was called Goober grape,
8: yep.
1: and, and love, it, was, it was like stripes. It was like a stripe of yeah, but peanut right. butter, a stripe of right. grape right. jelly, and another one all the way around. I loved it. I loved it growing yeah. up. Yeah.
8: yeah, I didn't have a problem with it. Just compared to the, to, to the, you know, the regular, the, the right. separate things, it didn't right. quite measure up. But right. it was more of a novelty. I couldn't stop staring at the jar. Oh, the I know
1: jar. that's the thing. When you're a kid, it's awesome. You know, when you're a kid, you wild. see the goober grape. Yeah. You're like, oh, look at that! That's so cool.
8: And I think that was part of the whole. You know, you're 12 years old, and your mom's like, "Yeah, this is going to be good," and you're so taken with you know the novelty yeah, and the yeah. visuals. Of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, Okay, I'll, see. I'll eat this stuff. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So. All right, Terry. Thanks. All right, all right. Thanks, Nick. All, Take all right, Terry.
1: Uh here is uh John on WGN. Hi, John. Hello. Yes. Sabret is
7: very, very popular in New York City in the street vendors, the carts. A lot oh. of them have sabret. Okay. So I didn't even know you could buy them in the store. I thought it was just you know. But but it's either Hebrew National or Sabret in New York City in okay. The carts.
1: Okay. All right. That makes sense. That makes sense. I just never heard of that brand before. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, okay. Thanks, John. Yeah. yeah, I've had I've had a lot of hot dogs on the streets in New York. So I probably had some sabret, not even known it. What What'd you think of the uh, the hot dogs? Obviously, you had no in idea in New what, York. Yeah. What'd you think? Oh, I love them. How do they, How do they do them in New York? Because I've never been to New York. Well, What's... it's a cart with boiling water, in right? It. Right. And then they've got the buns there, and you know, and then um, you can dress the you can dress the hot dog when you get it. Right, but do they? Obviously, they're not going to have. Do they have sport peppers? Do they got the? Yeah, they got onions, right? Yeah. Okay, so you could you could ostensibly you can, yeah, you make it. You could drag it through the garden in New York. Yeah, well, not Chicago style, not so, but I'm guessing they do. Do They have the celery salt. You know? Yeah. Wow. So you can get close. Yeah, you can get close to it. But no, hot dogs are good in New York. They're I, different. They're, they're they, different. They put kraut on them. They put oh yeah, a little sauerkraut. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, that's usually that's how that I one. get them when I when I'm when I'm in New York. I usually just get give me the one with kraut. Now, you, I've, I've seen they like to go for the foot long. They like to go for a much the, longer, thinner y- y- hot dog. Y- yeah, I true? mean, you have that option. But for the most... I mean, the, the hot dogs in general in New York f- from the vendors are a little bit longer than the kind of hot dogs, you know, like, sure. like an Oscar Mayer hot dog. Yeah. They're a little bit longer. All right. Um, and, um, yeah, you, you get them off the vendor. But it's some, some people are just like, especially like germaphobes, like I don't know what's in that water. I don't know how long it's been out here. You <laughs> can know, I, can, I, can I get us a side of hot dog water? But a please? lot of people, a lot of people, you know, do not trust buying food from vendors on the street in New York. But I mean, hey, when you're in New York, you got to do it at least once. It's the big apple, baby. Yeah, Take I, a- yeah. I'll do that when I go. When I eventually go to New York, I will definitely try as much street food as I can. Well, you got At some point, you, you 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 have to go to New York. Yeah. If just, I think I might just go to Katz's Delicatessen It's the Best, deli. Leave. It's the best, best deli ever. Get the deli and then be like, all right, I got a flight out of LaGuardia at three. It's the best deli ever. I, I, I can't tell you the number of times I've eaten at Katz's. That's also, you know what it's also best known for? Well, Harry Metz Alley, yeah. right? The orgasm scene in Harry Metz Alley. I will have what takes she's place. having. Yep. And that's Rob Reiner's mom. He gave that line to her. It's like the funniest line in the movie, and and he gave it to his mom. So, but you know, Katz's Deli is great. I mean, you can't you get a you know you, cor- you order a corned beef sandwich and you, it's gonna it's gonna last you four days. I mean, they just pile it on. I love that place. I love that place. Okay, uh, all right. Uh, you know what? We got Walter. Good old Walter Jacobson. He's a legend, and he does his perspective every Sunday night at this time. And it's sponsored by HearingHealthCenter.com. Let's hear from Walter.
3: The news is good. Oh, so good. And starting tomorrow, after four months of ordering dinner out and bringing it home in a bag, finally starting tomorrow, we can go into a restaurant, sit down, read a menu, talk to a waiter, select a favorite, and enjoy eating it right then and there, anywhere, in Humboldt Park, Wicker, or Hyde Park. Ukrainian village or little village, Tilson, Beverly, Chinatown, Greektown, Little Italy. We have followed the pandemic safety rules well enough for the governor and mayor to open up our neighborhood restaurants to help them survive and help us back to the dining we love. Not just the cooking to order and service at our tables, but the whole neighborhood experience. People at the next table, their smiles and joy in sharing a kielbasa, tamale, or ravioli. Chicago is known worldwide for its restaurants, casual dining or dressy, trendy, new, or charmingly old. Not just a hot dog, but a Chicago hot dog or deep dish pizza, winner of many Best Restaurant, Best Chef awards. But it's the People Awards that matter the most. That's us hundreds of thousands of us who love the restaurants in our neighborhoods i'm one of the hundreds of thousands hoping we're not stuck in a pandemic and locked out of our restaurants ever again i'm walter jacobson and that's my perspective for more visit wtnradio.com or download the wtn
5: radio app
1: hey if you got sports memorabilia a collection of any kind and you're wondering what it's worth Our good friend Michael Osaki is going to be with us after midnight. He's from BaseballInTheAttic.com, and that's his specialty. He'll tell you how much some of this stuff is worth, and we also have some other sports-related memorabilia stories to talk about. 312-981-7200 is the phone number, and the news is next from the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom here on 720 WGN. So we've been talking about the best supermarket hot dogs that you can buy. Um, you know, getting close to 4th of July. Everybody loves to eat hot dogs on the 4th of July. And, um, the Vienna beef, um, factory is going to be closing down. And so, uh, you know, getting a little sentimental here. It's summertime too. Good time to eat a hot dog. Uh, if you want to jump in 312-981-7200 on the team Hochberg phone line, here's Donna on WGN. Hi Donna.
9: Hi Nick. Hi. Uh, you were talking about corn beef before Walter Jacobson and, uh, there are two really great corned beef places in, in Chicago. Manny's is over on, on, like, 12th
1: Street. Yep, Manny's is Manny's is great. Manny's is, the, I think, the best deli in this city.
9: It is definitely a wowser place. Yeah. And then the other place I was going to tell you about is Moon's over on Western. It's a character-building neighborhood. But their corned beef sandwiches are
1: phenomenal. I've never had that. I mean, I've been to Manny's a ton of times. I've had, uh, you know, I've had the pastrami and the and the um, and the potato cakes are great at Manny's too. Uh, everything. Well,
9: have you ever been to uh, to uh, Valois in Hyde Park? Yes. Yeah, their their uh, sandwiches and their well, even their pe- peach cobbler. It's, it's wonderful.
1: I've never had the peach cobbler, but yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Donna.
9: Well, you have a very, and enjoy uh, your fourth, whichever hot dog you decide.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, Donna, thank you. Bye-bye. All nine eight one seven two hundred. Okay, Applegate the Great Organic Uncured Beef Hot Dogs. Most of us were fans of this preservative-free, 100% grass-fed beef hot dogs. If only because it really is healthy to say preservative-free, 100% grass-fed beef but the very salty flavor was vaguely reminiscent of a bouillon cube. And while that wasn't a make or break for us, we felt other hot dogs we tried were better in the taste category. Bouillon cube. Uh, Just fresh, direct, 100% grass-fed, organic, uncured beef hot dogs. There's a mouthful. The first thing we noticed about these hot dogs was uh, how prominent and thick the casings were. Boiled, these dogs were less than ideal to munch on as the casings became slightly plasticky and hard to chew through. However, uh, we all agreed that this would probably be a uh, great thrown on the grill. Uh, and we've got a runner-up. Hebrew National Beef Franks. We've all had Hebrew National, right? Hebrew National enjoys something of a cult status within the Frankfurter world, and for good reason. These 100% kosher beef hot dogs were a front-runner Uh, For our number one pick, yes, one taster wrote in praise of the Juicy Franks clean hot dog flavor. We were also into the snap and general plumpness. Uh, Would eat a whole one, said one uh, taste tester. Um, And when you spend an hour stuffing your face with hot dogs, this is meant as a compliment of the highest caliber. Although we boiled our hot dogs, we think Hebrew National would be killer on the grill. And then the winner, are you ready for the winner? Boar's Head Beef Frankfurters with Natural Casing. This one. I've never had it. I mean, I've, I've had Boar's Head products, but I've never had their hot dogs. I've had their, you know, their meat, their lunch meat and, and stuff like that, the deli meat. Boar's Head's really good. Really, really good. Uh, our winning hot dogs took top honors in both taste and texture across the board. Its natural meat flavor came through without being aggressively salty or Spicy which is an issue we continually ran into with other brands. In essence, it's exactly what we think a hot dog should taste like. We also loved its bouncy, snappy texture, which um, we would think make as an ideal candidate for both grilling and steaming purposes. Uh, as one taster wrote, this is the people's hot dog. Wow, the hot dog of the people. Boar's head beef frankfurters with natural casing. That seems to be the, uh, the overall winner. All right, I'll have to I'll have to seek it out. Yeah, I mean, I've had, like I said, I've had their I've had their cold cuts and stuff. Great course, cold cuts, really, really good. Great mustard. Oh yeah, they, they do a yeah, great yeah, yeah, mustard. Yeah, they do, they do. Uh, so it only makes sense that the hot dogs would be good, right? Exactly. It, it follows. It yeah. tracks. All right. Uh, here's Sally on WGN. Hi, Sally.
2: Hello. I'm telling your friend I've not heard anybody mention David Berg hot dogs. Oh yeah, David Berg. That might have been one of those with natural casing. I'm not sure. Yeah, Are they, do they we still? Never, we never thought about it. Do we they still have them? them? Do they still have Daneberg? I, I haven't seen them for a long time. So actually, Vienna is my next choice. You know, I, I like that. I was telling uh the fellow on the phone that when I late late forties early fifties we didn't have a refrigerator with a big freezer, so you'd go to the butcher every day and usually get the meat that you wanted your mom wanted for dinner, and while I was waiting i would he'd always give me a raw hot dog I would always eat a raw hot dog a raw hot dog and I wouldn't do it now, I wouldn't yeah. do it now,
5: yeah, but back but, then, and I have no idea what kind they were,
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 but they yeah. were raw. Okay. Favorite raw. Okay. Nice, uh, nice show. Okay. Thanks. Thank you, Sally. Here's here's a fun fact about David Berg. Yeah. So David Berg is actually part of the Vienna family of products. Is that right? I didn't yeah. know that. the uh, The David Berg Sausage Company was founded in 1860 by David Berg and his brother. 1860. 1860. Since wow. 1860. Uh, and but the company was uh, virtually destroyed. I guess. Or almost completely destroyed by the Chicago Fire in 1871. Oh, really? But Vienna Beef purchased David Berg in 1992 out of bankruptcy court. Is that right? So the David Berg brand was added to the Vienna Beef line of products. Okay. And that was in 1992? 92. Oh, it's been years since I've had, years before that, since I've had uh, David Berg hot dog. I liked them. I remember them being good. You know, what's say weird hot dog dishes from around the world. China loves hot dog pastries. <laughs> you know what they look like? I'm looking at a picture of it. They, they look like pigs in a blanket. I love pigs in a blanket. You know, a, fr- a friend of mine who I was with, uh, I acted with and wrote stuff with in at the factory theater, he had a, a Christmas party every year. And... His Christmas parties were known for the unbelievable amount of pigs in a blanket that he would have. That's what they were known for? Absolutely. Absolutely, man. A whole bunch of different dipping sauces and different kinds of pigs in a blanket. It was it was the most popular Christmas party that you would ever go to. Because there were nothing, but it was pigs in a blanket all over his apartment. Hey, man, you going to Jim's Christmas party? Yeah, man. I'm going to crush like 500 pigs in a blanket. It was Mike. Mike's Mike. Mike. Yeah. Mike. He's got the pigs in a blanket. Mike Meredith. who I, I co-wrote a live with him. Uh, and um, he's the one who brought me into the factory. Noted playwright and pigs in uh, the blanket. Yeah, no. The, the seriously, it was people looked forward to it every Christmas. His apartment was packed, and it was wall to wall. He would have to bring out trays and replace them because everybody was going nuts on the pigs in the blanket, nonstop pigs in the blanket, and sauces everywhere. That's what his Christmas parties were known for. You know what I mean? It wasn't like the it wasn't like the the Christmas spirit. It wasn't like oh, I it doesn't feel like the holidays until I go to Mike's house for a Christmas party. Now it was pigs in a blanket. <laughs> How about this? If you if you go to Japan, you can get yourself an octopus hot dog. Oh, hey, it looks really strange too. I'm looking at a picture of it. You can get an octopus hot dog. Uh, no. <laughs> so uh, you got a hot dog salad that you can get in Peru. Looks pretty good. I don't know what uh, I don't know what the toppings are here. This is in uh, this is in Peru. It's salchapapas. is a Peruvian street food that seriously stretches the meaning of the term hot dog. This hugely popular dish originated as a poor man's food, but now is enjoyed all around the country and beyond. Uh, it's essentially made up of sliced fried sausage on a bed of fries, accompanied by ketchup, chili sauce, mustard, and mayo. Variations also occur. You can throw in fried eggs, cheese, tomatoes, and lettuce as well. No bun. So there it is. Okay, hot dogs. All right, news is coming up next. He's coming. Nick degilio here on 720 WGN. We're live in the Skyline studio. Uh, we're here until 4 o'clock. And, uh, hey, my dad's going to tell a joke. It's Monday, but this will be joke number 300. Big deal. My dad, his 300th joke. That'll be coming up a little bit later on. That's pretty exciting. So... Um, Let's see. We, we're gonna, you know, the Green Mill reopened, and obviously with with rules. Uh, there there there's no vocals or horns in the music, and half as many booths. And we're gonna talk about the Green Mill, memories about the Green Mill, and all that cool stuff. Uh, brands that are still made in Chicago can tuna price fixing scandal, and Japan University awards its first ninja studies degree. <laughs> That's coming up right here on 720 WGN. If you would like to join us, it's 312-981-7200. 312-981-7200. If you have uh, sports memorabilia and you're wondering if it's worth anything, well, we can help you out. Michael Osaki uh, from BaseballintheAttic.com joins us periodically to help you out. So if you've got some sports memorabilia and you're wondering what it's worth, give us a call. Michael will help you out. Let's welcome Michael to the show. Hi, Michael. Hey, Nick. How are you? All right. How are you holding up? Doing
10: pretty good. Doing pretty good, thanks. Uh, I'm excited now that baseball season hopefully is uh, coming soon.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what they say. That's what they say. I mean, obviously the rules are going to be a little bit different, but uh, yeah, but we're going to get some sports hopefully uh, coming up. So uh, let's talk a little bit about baseball in the the attic. How long has it been around and uh, what will people see when they go to the website?
10: Sure. I started my website back in 2007, and if you go to my website, there's um, I have a blog up there. There's pictures of me with different um, sports cards and memorabilia. Um, my favorite picture there is um, myself with Walter Payton around 1994. He was the first professional athlete that I ever met, um, so you'll see a very young Michael there. Yeah. Um, and it talks I talk about appraising and a couple of the links. It's just kind of a plethora of different um, tools, I guess, on my website for people to go to at BaseballInTheAttic.com.
1: Check it out, BaseballInTheAttic.com. How long you been uh, it's, you know, the story we've 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 talked about the story before, but uh, it was a box full of cards that your who was it, your grandfather gave you?
10: Exactly. Back in nineteen ninety seven, my grandfather for my birthday got me a shoebox of old baseball cards. And it got me started looking for more of those cards, but also to understand why two of the same cards can be worth two different prices. Why can it be worth one card worth five bucks and the same card worth 500 bucks? And I started to realize it was about condition. What do the corners look like? Uh, How about the centering? Are there any print defects? Is there paper loss? And all these different factors. And it was like, wow, it was very eye opening.
1: Yeah, and uh, and so how long have you been certified? So for about ten years,
10: I've been appraising different items, sports cards, and memorabilia.
1: Mm-hmm. So ten years, wow. So uh, and I know that you you know you you've gone to a lot of places and and, uh, and, and uh, you know uh, conventions and things like that. But now that obviously has has shut down because of the pandemic. Uh, how's that affected uh, the the the, uh, the collecting?
10: Yeah, so all the conventions uh, have basically been shut down. I think uh, I heard of one convention, I think, in a card show, a a local card show in Texas. I think one in Indiana in the past week or two, but all the major card shows, um, you know, pretty much shut down because of social social distancing rules. Um, But because of COVID nineteen, everybody's stuck in their house. And um, some people are going stir crazy. And so they're starting to go digging through their closets and, sure. and garages yeah, yeah. And, and finding these things. And so um, COVID-19 since March, I have not been busier. I have not been busier since the financial crisis in 08 and 09. Um, it's just crazy busy right now. Yeah. And not only that, prices are going through the roof and almost everything, um, some of it is due to the last dance, the Michael Jordan. Oh, but, sure. But I would say the other half of it is um, instead of people spending money on uh, hotels and airfare and restaurants and shopping on Michigan Avenue, they're going online to eBay, and they're just buying stuff, and they're buying sports memorabilia. So prices are going through the rough. This is a crazy, crazy time
1: right now. Wow. All right, and now, now you know you're doing appraisals and stuff like that, but you can do them safely over the over the internet, right?
10: Yes, as long as I have clear pictures.
1: So, in in other words, people need to take pictures of the of their memorabilia, nice clear pictures, of, and then they can send it to you. Yes, correct. Okay, and uh, so you've been busy, real busy, huh?
10: Super, super busy, super, super busy. I'm starting to slowly go back out on the road. Um, you, because, as you know, over the course of a year, I'm on the road about 100 days. Right. This year, it's, it's not going to be 100 days. But, um, like, uh, yesterday, I was in uh, s- s- southern Wisconsin, northern Illinois, McHenry County up there. Um, it just, you know, I still, I'm, I'm still keeping my social distancing rules, but um, it's always nice to go out and see the clients face-to-face.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's true. You've got to stay safe, though, Michael. That's the, th- that's the key. Yeah, so absolutely. Baseballintheattic.com is the uh, is the website. If you have any sports memorabilia and you're wondering what it's worth, um uh, Michael will uh, give you a, give you a hand. We also have some stories that we want I want to throw past uh Michael as well. Michael, hold on. Sure. Okay. Uh Michael Osaki is with us. Baseballintheattic.com is the website, but he's here live uh to help you out if you've got some baseball memorabilia or sports memorabilia in any any way and you're kind of curious as to what it's uh you know, what it might be worth, 312-981-7200, 312-981-7200 to help you out right here on 720 WGN. Hello, it's Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN, live in the Skyline studio here until 4 o'clock. And uh, my dad's going to call in later and tell a joke, and it's joke number 300. So uh, there you go. Right now, Michael Osaki is with us from BaseballInTheAttic.com. He uh, is an appraiser, and he can tell you if you've got some sports memorabilia that's worth some money. Our phone lines are all jammed up right now. Um, it's uh, 312-981-7200 on the Team Hochberg phone line. And uh, here's Michael. Michael, we got a whole bunch of people who are on uh, who are on the line. Can you help them out? Absolutely. Okay, let's see. Here's Robert on WGN. Hey, Robert.
7: Hey, uh, morning, Nick. Two things. Uh, they had junk day in Western Springs, and one of my buddies, his wife, decided to throw away his old chest well his old chest had over a hundred thousand dollars worth of sports cards in it oh that's so t- that's, that's, that's there, a common
1: story that's a common story you've heard that before michael where people don't know how much something is worth they just throw it all out and they... no,
7: no no he knew what it was worth his wife didn't his wife just threw it in the garbage on junk day oh okay so i i told him i got a good divorce attorney yeah but but no, my question is, is: is I met a gentleman one time. He broke down on the highway. I helped him out, and by the end of the, you know, helping him put a tire on and everything, it ended up being Walter Payton. Wow! And and he and again, it, for an hour, nothing clicked. And when he said, "He goes, by the way, my name is Walter Payton," and then I went, "Now it makes. Now I know who you are." Wow! Anyhow, he gave me a uh, a signed football from the. 2000 for the for the 20 Super Bowl on an official Super Bowl 20 football. Okay, with his signature on it, and he signed it, and then he also gave me another one with all the team players on it, okay. including the coaches. All right. Now I'm not selling these, but to keep people every time they see them, like Jesus. You know what that's worth? And I go, no, I really don't. But I'm never going to sell it. So
1: yeah. Well, Michael, you got any idea on what that could be worth?
10: Yes, absolutely. Um, but first off, Walter. Yeah, Walter Payton. I never heard of a bad thing about him. Everyone always has great stories, great memories. Yeah, so I, met, I met him
1: one time. Uh, uh, unbelievably nice guy.
10: Yeah, I'm totally not surprised of this caller's story. I mean, Walter Payton was just the best. Yeah. But going back to the caller's questions, it was two parts. First, the single signed Walter Payton signed football. Assuming the signature is still bold and legible, that's about five to six hundred dollars. The team-signed Super Bowl football um, with the Bears, with Walter Payton's signature on there, which is the key signature, by the way, would command about a couple thousand dollars.
1: Wow! Well, there you go.
7: Well, hang, hang. Know, again. They're not for sale because they love them. And I, yeah. I, again, it's a special gift, and and for for you know, I he said he goes, "How much do do I owe you?" I go, "Dude, you don't owe me anything." Mm. I'm just helping out a guy in one o'clock in the morning who's stuck on the highway. But yeah, don't worry. Yeah, and uh, but he is he he ended you know a very nice person.
1: Yeah, he was he was a sweetheart. Anybody who uh, well sweetness.
7: Oh my god! <laughs> and he gave me his food at the roadhouse.
1: So oh, there you go. All right, Robert. Thanks, buddy. Great story. All right, All right, look at that. Helping out uh, Walter Payton with a t- with changing a tire.
10: Unbelievable! That's yeah. a great story. A Love that. Love great that story.
1: All right. Here's uh, Donald on WGN. Hi, Donald. Hi. Yeah, I have a,
5: I have a baseball collection, and uh, but I have two balls that are 22 karat. They uh, they're not solid 22 karat gold, but uh, they're you know they're coated baseballs. And one's got a White Sox emblem in black on it, and one's got a Detroit a Tiger emblem on on black on it. And uh, the one the one that uh, the White Sox one has got Carlton Fisk's signature in black.
1: Wow.
10: Okay, so, the, the, uh, so I believe that the 22-carat gold is not actually real gold. It's like um, a gold plate or gold coating. A Carlton right. Fisk sign, signed baseball uh, would be about 40 to $50. Bucks. Uh, the gold, the 22-carat gold, doesn't really add much. Um, in fact, unfortunately, some collectors will probably steer clear away from it because if they're looking for a Carlton Fist signed baseball, baseball they want it on a regular white you know Ra- R- rawlings official ball as opposed to this 22 karat gold so unfortunately i think the value actually decreases because of the
5: medium of the ball oh okay
1: all right how's that
5: for you well that's good to know i yeah. don't want to buy any more of those gold balls yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: okay <laughs> thanks donald yeah. Yep. Okay. Hey, uh, Michael, what are some of the, uh, uh, you know, we've talked about this before, but what are some of, like, the holy grails that people, you know, that that uh, team, you know, could have? Yeah. When
10: it comes to a card, especially a baseball card, it would be the T206 Honus Wagner tobacco card. There is about 70 or 75 of them known in existence. And the story behind this card, well, first off, it was manufactured uh, by the American Tobacco Company between 1909 and 1911, but when Honus found out that his image, his likeness, um, was being inserted into packages of tobacco products, because that's how baseball cards uh, were, that's how baseball cards got into the masses yeah. back over 100 years ago. Yeah. Uh, he called. He called the American Tobacco Company and was really upset and said, "I don't want kids to see this." And so they stopped printing his image and they destroyed the template um, but at that point a lot of them had already gotten out to the five and dime stores so today that card will range anywhere from on the low end horrible condition five hundred thousand dollars all the way up to four million
1: dollars holy cow that's yeah. amazing
3: for a piece of paper
1: yeah cardboard have you ever seen one a couple,
10: yes, a couple. Um, a couple, and I've also been fortunate enough to um, look at one. I, I met the owner. Um, it was really, it's really incredible. In fact, most of the time, the people that own these are not looking to sell because it's the holy grail, and if you're fortunate enough to own one, you probably have enough money that you don't need to sell. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> I never thought about that, but that's true. Uh, okay, let's help some more people out with their uh items here. Three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. Uh here's Brian on WGN. Hi, Brian.
11: How you doing? All right. What's what do you got? Okay, it's more of a uh question for, for Mike is and then I do have if you want to do uh another question, is would you reinvest more into Mitchell Trubisky cards?
10: Okay, Uh, so yes, so it's definitely an interesting question. So my thought process for for anything, for any player, for any sport, I always tell people to buy what you like, buy what you like, (laughs) because if God forbid something doesn't pan out, at least you have it and you like it because you bought it because you liked it. Now, yes, in the past ten years, there's been a huge onslaught of private equity and hedge funds and and foreign money coming to this market, which is why we're seeing rule record prices month after month after month um, for modern and vintage cards. But for this particular case, Mr. Trubisky, I I really have no idea. Um, Buy what you like, and we'll see what happens.
11: Uh (laughs) It depends how he plays on that particular Sunday. (laughs) Probably. Yeah, (laughs) probably. Okay. Okay, my next question, too, is what about such as, Upcoming two people: Joe Burrow, Je- Justin Herbert. You know, it, it's it's a wishy washy. You know, buy what you like.
10: Those are more speculative, right? And so, when I think about players that are uh, currently playing, like a, like a LeBron James, like that's okay. like a blue chip. That's a blue chip card, a blue chip stock. Like if you think about like a blue chip stock, like a like a Coca Cola or a exactly. Microsoft. So, so LeBron James. However, I do think every portfolio, whether it be stocks or cards, should have a speculative part of it. So if okay. you're investing $10,000, if you're allocating $10,000 of budget into the sports card or sports memorabilia market, you should have maybe 5% or 10%, depending upon your age bracket and how much you can risk, in speculative investments, such as Joe Burrow. Oh.
11: Correct. Okay. Correct. All right. Correct. Okay. What I, what, what I did is, like, when I knew you were uh, going to be on the air tonight with uh, Nick and Tom, I kind of, like, said, okay, I'm going to get ready. And I said, all right, I'm going to go pull out my Mitchell. Got a, I got a 2018 Cornerstone of Spectra Marble. That's a 4 of 4 with a tricolor jersey on. So that's one of, like, my favorite Mitchells. Nice. Okay. And then I also have a 2018 Panini Classics, and that's a Gem 10 with a red-back parallel.
10: That's awesome. You know, it's really tough to get a gem 10. Um, and obviously, if things pan out for him, the, gem, the a PSA 10 is going to be worth a lot of money. But if things don't pan out, then then you're left kind of with nothing, unfortunately.
11: Yeah. It's, it's exactly, keep the, the, the weird thing, though, too, with the red-back parallels, the cards actually uh, parallel 59 to 299. So there's 299 red parallels, okay? And I got a, a gem 10 right here.
10: Right, and, and not all two ninety nine are graded, you know PSA ten. There's just a small exactly. fraction.
11: Exactly, exactly, exactly. I mean, I knew, you know, when I when I first you know saw that the uh, red back, I'm like, all right, you know, for that price, I can't go wrong with it. You know, it wasn't breaking the bake or anything, but I'm more proud of that 2018 Spectra Mitchell that's uh, with the marble and the tricolor uh, patch jersey, <laughs> and it's uh, four or four. So, That's awesome. I'm, That's good. That's yeah, cool. I'm, I'm you more, know. more proud of that one. All right. Okay, Brian, thanks. All right, thank you. Good, God, great for having me on. You guys have a great day. All thank
1: 312 right. You 312-981-7200 is the phone number. If you would like to uh, uh, join us, if you have uh, some sports memorabilia that you're uh, wondering about. We've got some sports memorabilia stories that we're going to get to as well. The uh, website is baseballintheattic.com, and Michael Osaki is the guy who runs it. And uh, he's here to help you out if you want to know if something's worth uh, some dough or not. Um, so, uh, M- Michael, you said that it's uh, incredibly busy for you at this time, right?
10: Super, super busy. Working long days, by I love it because this is my passion.
1: Yeah. Well, that's cool. And, and most people are contacting you through the website, correct?
10: Through the website, yep. And there's a contact form on there, or they can email me or call me or find me on social media.
1: Okay. What, do you, what is the contact info for?
10: Uh, so they can call me three one two three seven nine nine zero nine zero. 312-379-9090
1: or michael at com. Okay, michael at com, and also 312-379-9090 if you've got some sports memorabilia and you're wondering about it. Okay, uh, Michael, hang on, okay? Yep. All right, Michael Osaki is with us, and if you've got any uh, sports memorabilia and that you're, you you want to figure out if it's worth anything, Michael's here to help you out. We also have some uh, sports memorabilia stories that we're going to get to as well. Um, 312-981-7200. Right. Hey, it's Nick Degilio on 720 WGN. And uh, we are live in the Skyline studio here until uh, four o'clock, as we are every uh, weekday day, uh, night into morning. Um, uh, the Green Mill reopened just this past Friday with rules, no vocals, no horns and half as many booths. But uh, there are tons of memories associated with the Green Mill. And uh, we'll talk um, about that. Uh, brands that are still made in America. We've got a canned tuna price-fixing scandal that we're going to talk about. And Japan University awards its first ninja studies degree. <laughs> uh, I wasn't aware that that was a thing. That you could actually have your first ninja studies degree. All right. Uh, Nick DiGilio on 720 WGN. Michael Osaki is... Um, an appraiser and an expert. Uh, his website is baseballintheattic.com, and he can help you out if you got some sports memorabilia that you're just wondering about. Michael always uh, comes on the show and helps out. Hi, Michael. Hi, Nick. Hey. All right, we got uh, some more people here. here is Jean on WGN. Hi, Gene.
12: Hi there. Hi.
1: Hi.
12: Um, I have two signatures. Um, Ernie Banks signed my ticket, and Ron will signed my hat.
10: Okay. You said Ron Santos signed your hat and Ernie Banks signed what again? A ticket. Um uh, my ticket. A ticket. Okay. Wait. The Ron Santos signed hat would be sixty, sixty five dollars. The Ernie Banks signed ticket stub, depending upon the uh game, I would say at least a hundred bucks.
12: Mm. Oh really? Yeah. Oh. yeah.
1: There you go. Okay, thanks, Jean.
12: Alrighty. Thank yep. you. Bye bye.
1: Ron was always good about signing things.
10: Very good. Yeah. Very good. Um, and, and Ernie loves to sign because he loved to interact with the people. He yeah. was a very slow signer, Ernie. He would stop and ask you about you yep. know what you do, ask yep. about your family. It would take him 15 minutes just to sign. Yeah. But he loved it.
1: Well, I mean, no, he was, the, you know, the, both those guys, man. I mean, you know, I, I, I was lucky enough to, well, I was lucky enough to actually be a colleague with Ron Santo, which is mind-blowing. I met Ernie a couple of times. Um, but you know, like, uh, I worked with Ron Santo and I, we used to go up to the booth with him and, him and Pat and, uh, some of those memories that I have of hanging out in the booth with Ron Santo, I mean, he was a childhood hero of mine.
10: Yeah. And those memories you'll always, always have with you when you can look back finally on them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And he was such a nice guy. God, he was a nice guy. Um, and really great with the fans, just fantastic with the fans. So, okay. um, all right. Here's uh, Terry on WGN. Hi, Terry. Hi, guys. Hi. Um, enjoying the show tonight. Thank
13: you. So, I am cleaning out my parents' house, and I ran across a signed picture of Milk Pappas. Didn't know if that was worth
14: anything. And
1: signed and picture of, of Milk Pappas. Okay, boys. Michael, this Hi. might be the first time we've ever had Milk Pappas mentioned on the show.
10: Yes, I think I've been on your show for ten years, yeah. and I, I, I think you're right. This is the first time we've got Mill Peppers. In fact, Mill Peppers threw a no hitter in 1972, um, but I think that's about all he's known for. And today, yeah. his signature uh, signed photo of his maybe five dollars, ten dollars on a good day.
1: Okay, all right. Oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> okay. okay, Terry. Thanks. Take care. Sometimes it's disappointing. Michael, sometimes it's disappointing when people find out that, you know, this thing that they really love is not worth anything.
10: You know, it's true, but at least they know.
1: Yeah. Yeah, milk Pappas. Wow. <laughs> oh, man. All right, here's Eric on WGN. Hi, Eric. Hi, next This him call.
7: And, uh, Michael, I've got a autographed Carlton Fisk Appreciation Day uh, promotional giveaway from... Kamiski that's a double sided laminate and it has like seventy two of accomplishments on it. It's a really nice giveaway with his autograph on it. Hmm.
4: What do
7: you think it's worth? Um
10: I remember seeing one several years ago and I'm just trying to think right now what I put the value on. I think I said uh fifty to seventy five dollars there. Um there there aren't it's kind of straight... like that item is an interesting one because that item was not mass produced, but at the same time, it was kind of mass produced because of that his big day that they made a lot of them. So uh, it's still, it's still, it's definitely under a hundred bucks. I'm going to say fifty to seventy
1: bucks. Okay. All right, Eric. Oh, thank you very much. Okay. Thanks. Three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. If you uh, have some sports memorabilia that you're wondering about, three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. The phone lines are open. Um. So here's a here's a story. Here, a uh, a huge multi million dollar collection was just found, Uncle Jimmy collection. Let's talk about that.
10: Yes, uh, I think I wish I had an Uncle Jimmy. So I would say that this find, this discovery, is the find of the decade. Maybe the find of the past ten years for sure. Really? What happened? What? Yes. Yeah, so what happened was in New Jersey, this guy Jimmy passed away recently. Uh, I think a few months ago, and he was never married, had no kids. He was a hard worker. He was a school custodian and a factory worker. Um, and, but he loved the game of baseball. And during the thirties and the forties, he would have his set, he would take his baseball cards and send away in the mail for baseball players to to, to, to autograph and sign for him. And he has eight Babe Root signed cards from 1933. Gaudi. Wow. Um, each Babe Ruth card is at least $100,000 to $150,000.
4: Wow. Um,
10: I think this collection is going to sell for between 3 and $4 million. Oh,
1: wow. That's unbelievable.
10: It's unbelievable. So he left the collection to his uh, nieces and nephews. Um, but it really is just astounding. It's just, The quality of the signatures is very bold. Um, he's got a slew of Hall of Famers that signed his baseball cards. It is just eye opening and actually shocking that in this day and age in twenty twenty that things are still swirled away in attics and garages and barns yet to be found.
1: Wow. That's amazing. Yep. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Uncle Jimmy collection.
10: It's uh I was shocked to hear about it. I just I was floored, but like I said, it's a three to four million dollar collection.
1: Jeez. You got Gehrig, Fox, Hornsby as you mentioned, Babe Ruth. Um, uh, Mickey Cochran, and the list goes on and on. Uh, Jackie Robinson. Jackie Robinson, yeah. He's got yeah. the, the uh, top super Reggie Jackson rookie card. Wow. I mean, he, he has it all. I,
10: it's just, uh, it seems fake. It seems like that's impossible, but it's real.
1: And, and so you said, again, he left it to his nieces and... and- Nephews, yeah, nieces and nephews. What are they exactly. going? Are, are they going to keep it, or, you, or do you think they'll they'll put it up for auction?
10: They are going to sell it. Um, they, you know, I don't think are are sports fans or baseball fans, and I think they're also interested in seeing people that are interested in these items get enjoyment from them.
1: Yeah. Wow! What a what a story. The Uncle Jimmy collection. That's really unbelievable. Yep. Wow. All right. Uh, let's see. Here is uh, Jim on WGN. Hi, Jim. Yes, hello. Hi.
7: Uh, yeah, I have uh, two uh, 45 records from probably around 1958 or 59. One is a Warren Spahn 45 uh, in, you know, instructional how to, how to pitch. And the other one is uh, a uh, Harmon Killebrew. Uh, how to hit. So I was wondering how much yep. those might be.
10: Those records are you know extremely interesting and, and very educational, um, but unfortunately, when it comes to the value, there isn't a lot of demand there. So each record is only about ten bucks.
1: Oh, okay. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks okay. for the call. There you go. There's a Jim with his collection. so those those records were popular, huh?
10: of it and kind of kind of with everything you know there's records then there's like uh vhs tapes then there's are cds and then there's dvds and everything is just streaming and um in this day and age people just you know records are like vinyl is making a comeback but when it comes to like sports records and in this particular case the war in spine the killer killer brew just not much demand there
1: mm, okay all right, uh, let's see. Here is uh, Tom on WGN. Hi, Tom. Hi. Hi. I'm calling in about a 1969
5: Cubs scorecard with the Kenny Holtzman no-hitter, oh. and it's signed by the starting lineup of the Cubs that day. Whoa.
1: That's got to be worth something, right, Michael?
10: Yeah, um, and I don't think I've ever seen a team-signed scorecard from Kenny Holtzman's game. Um so, Tom, my suggestion would be to take a picture and either and email me or text me so I can kind of take a look and look at the signatures and see kind of where they're positioned. But yeah, it's definitely going to have value. And it's just right now, I'm, I'm it's hard to actually articulate and, and really kind of put something on without it.
1: Without seeing it. Right, right, right. So, Tom, take a picture of it and send it to him at uh, com, and he'll uh, help you out. Alrighty, great. Okay, thanks. Thanks, Tom. That's a unique item, huh? Unique, yes. Very
10: different. Um, yeah, um, yeah. I don't think I've ever. I think it's a nice item.
1: Yeah, sounds great. Okay, here is uh, Bob on WGN. Hi, Bob.
6: Hey, what's up, guys? Hey. Good to talk to you. I got a '56 uh, Mickey Mantle All-Star card. And I've got a Derek Jeter promising rookie card.
4: Okay.
10: Okay. Let's take the Jeter first. So the so that uh, so the value there would be strictly dependent upon the condition. Um, but even so, that that promising rookie is maybe forty or fifty bucks. Now, what's more, what's more interesting potentially is this Mickey Mantle card you speak of however i think you may have the year incorrect you said 56 i think you're talking about 1958 cuz his all-star card was number 487 number 487 in and 58 in 56 he didn't have an all-star card so
6: yeah it, is, it wasn't it wasn't an all it wasn't his rookie card i know that it was an all-star card
10: right so that's 58 and so Okay, so depending upon condition, the card uh, uh, it sells anywhere from fifty bucks to several hundreds of dollars. Um, and again, I would have to kind of see the condition. But the All Star card for the mantle—it's red on the front; it has stars around it. But um, yeah,
6: where did you get no. the, where did you get these items, Bob? I got the Mickey Mantle card with my son when he was little. At the uh, at a f- county fair in Indiana. Wow. Yeah, some guy was selling cards, and I think I gave him twenty bucks for it. Wow. And the Jeter card I just got it because uh, my, my when my kids were young, they used to you know do the bubblegum things, and they just got it, and we just saved it. And... Yeah. Well, it's, yeah. it's interesting
1: how these things are uh, acquired. Okay, Bob. Thanks. Thank you. Okay. Michael, hold on. Sure. All right, Michael Osaki is with us. Uh, Baseballintheattic.com is the website, uh, and uh, he's here for a few more minutes. If you've got some sports memorabilia that you're curious about, 312-981-7200. It's Nick DiGiulio on 720 WGN. We are live in the Skyline studio here until 4 o'clock. Coming up, we're going to be talking about the Green Mill. The Green Mill reopened uh, with a different set of rules because of the uh, pandemic and everything. But uh, there are so many memories uh, attached to the, green, uh, to the green mill that, uh, that got a lot of us have. Uh, that's coming up. We're also going to talk about uh, brands that are still made in America. We've got a canned tuna price-fixing scandal. And Japan University awards its first ninja studies degree. Uh, classic Carson. We always play back some classic Johnny Carson. Johnny Carson show you can watch uh, every night on Antenna TV. And at 2.30 every morning, we play some highlights from the Johnny Carson show, whether it be uh, like a sketch or some stand-up. Well, this is uh, Johnny's 4th of July monologue that we're going to play back, and my dad's going to call in and tell a joke, and it's joke number 300. And the news is next from the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom. Michael Osaki is with us uh, from com. He appraises uh, sports memorabilia, and it's always very busy when uh, when Michael's here. Hi, Michael. Hi, Nick. All right, uh, let's get back to it and help some people out. Here is uh, Joan on WGN. Hi, Joan.
13: Hi, Nick, how are you?
2: All right, what do you got?
13: I have,
2: well, actually from my father, um, a team signed Chicago Bears football from the 85 season.
1: Okay, well, that was a pretty big season.
2: Yeah, he received it as a Christmas gift just before they ended up uh, going to the Super Bowl and winning the whole thing.
1: Yeah. All right, Michael, what do you got there?
10: Okay, I'm going to give you a similar value as it is the caller earlier in the show uh, who stopped on the side of the road and saw Walter Payton. Assuming the Walter Payton signature is on your ball, it's going to be worth a couple thousand dollars.
4: Wow. It,
5: it, 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 it is. It was, uh, yes, I know for a fact it is. Wow.
1: Okay. okay. There you go. Congratulations on that, Joan. Wow. Thank you. All right. There you go. Two grand. That's yep. amazing. Jeez. Okay, here's Sue on WGN. Hi, Sue. Sue? Sue? Are you there? Okay, we'll uh, go back to Sue at some point. All right, let's see. Here is um, Lynn on WGN. Hi, Lynn.
2: Hi. First of all, thank you very much for taking the call. I have... uh Two, uh, kind of two questions. I have a, uh, I used to work for a company, a, a department store, and they sold air's or excuse me, bull products with a bull signage program. And to make a long story short, I had gotten a, a signature of uh, Scotty Pippen okay. on this card that was supposed to be for signage. I don't know how to explain it. It's about five by six okay. square card that was uh, introduced for the line of...
10: Um, okay. Uh, the value there is 50 to
2: $75. Okay. And the other question is, uh, what about... Are, are there any... Is there any? I'm sorry, I'm so nervous. Uh, baseball and sport caps are, are are there any? Even if they were used or old, vintage, any value on that?
10: The sports caps that are selling for a lot of money right now are the Chicago Bulls championship seasons. Um. Especially the ones that have still have the tag on there that could be a couple hundred dollars, but if they're used, they're still selling for fifty bucks. but generally speaking, no, there isn't a lot of value with just any regular uh, John Doe baseball team, especially if it's used.
4: yeah
2: oh no, not John Doe. I'm talking about you know mostly uh Chicago is a team uh vintage also from the, since the sixties and on.
10: That kind of depends. Um, You know, I think I would have to need more specifics, but it kind of varies. It's kind of case by case.
2: Is there a number that I could call you at privately? Sure. Sure. You can call me
10: 312-379-9090.
1: Okay.
2: Nine zero nine zero. Okay, and okay. Uh, All right, Lynn. Okay. Thanks. It oh, me a product. Thanks. Okay. Three one two nine eight hundred. The three one two nine eight
1: one seven two hundred is the phone number. And here's uh, Cynthia on WGN. Hi,
2: Cynthia. Hi. Hi. I have a U.S. Olympic poster from the 1980 games in Moscow, um, and it's framed. I used to work for the U.S. Olympic Committee way back when, and I've always been curious if it's worth anything. Um, yes, it is. Um, I
10: believe one sold for a couple hundred dollars several years ago. I'm not right now. Uh, I don't exactly know the market. I know it's changed. Um, but if you want to follow up with me in a couple of days via email, I'll have a better perspective there. Um, that market is a little bit more fickle than just like the regular sports. So if you just follow up in a couple of days, I'll let you know.
1: Okay.
14: Oh that's all great. Okay, thanks.
1: Uh what about uh, n- 1980 Olympic stuff? Does that does that go for extra?
10: Uh yes. Um obviously um the hockey game there. Yep. Um uh, the hockey game at Lake Placid, especially items game worn items from that game. Uh like the goalie's uh mask or or um, or sticks.
1: Um That's got to be worth a ton, right?
10: A ton of money. I mean, you were talking like six figures potentially.
1: Yeah, I'm not surprised by that at all. I mean, it's such a legendary, such a legendary moment in sports. You know, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Here is uh, Mike on WGN. Hi, Mike. Mike. Yeah. Hi.
5: hi. Um, I have uh, a number of uh, old baseball cards. Like, for example, I have the entire uh, every card that was issued in 1961 most of the ones from nineteen sixty. Uh I also have these stamp collection books they put out that's Topps baseball stamp album where they you have little stamps that were issued. I do somewhere in the uh I guess with the bubblegum and so they have like nine or ten stamps for each team. So each of the players these stamps are in there. So any of this stuff uh I know it's a lot of stuff in general but it's and also I have some of these these Hall of Fame Cards. There were. I don't know who issued them, but they were um, baseball breaks 19- They were called. Nineteen sixty
10: flare and nineteen sixty one flare. Yep, both of those yeah. sets are the Hall of Fame cards. As far as your question goes, sixty one tops the complete set. There again, as I've been telling people, it's a, depending upon condition, but at least a minimum fifteen hundred bucks to two thousand bucks for a wow. complete
5: set, meaning you have every card in that set. Wow. There you go. Yeah, what they did you you get like you'd get 50 of one guy and then but then at the end of the year you could send in and buy the ones that they hardly they would put in, that they hardly sold and you could complete your collection that way. So oh, yeah. what about those those base those clear cards? Are Those worth anything? Uh,
10: not much, a little bit, but not much.
4: Okay. And those and those
5: and those stamp albums, are they have of, of any of any significance? Small value.
1: Yeah, okay.
6: Okay. All, All right, please. Mike. Okay. Thank you. All
1: right. Bye. Here's uh Dom on WGN. Hey, Dom.
6: Hi. Hi. Hi, Nick. How you doing? All right. What's up? I, I like to ask you, uh, you guys. I got a baseball uh, autographed by Bob Feller. I got him way back at one time in spring training, and uh, and he sent, he autographed me a baseball. I just wonder if it is worth anything.
10: Okay. Um, let me just give you a quick story there before I give you the value. So. Uh, okay, Bob, Feller, uh, Bob Feller, he, he came to Chicago uh, m- multiple times over the years, and he's been dead for uh, close to 10 years. He passed away December of 2010. Okay, but... He gave me his last public interview before he ever passed away. Mm. And he told right. he told me, because I asked him, I said, how many autographs have you signed over the course of your career? He goes, I don't know if it's $5 million or $10 million. Jeez. So literally every single person, that's ever wanted a Bob Feller autograph? Already has one or five or ten in their house. So a signed Bob Feller's ba- baseball is twenty twenty-five bucks.
1: 25 ta- ta- yeah, how, how did you how did you acquire this?
6: I was, uh, you know, I used to go to spring training a lot way back in my days, and uh, I I took a picture with him. What a gentleman he was! He was a tall, tall guy. He was a Cleveland, obviously. Right. Well, all right, Nick, hey, I got. I think I got one more thing. I got a a wooden cup baseball. Give it to me. It's a collection item. It's Uh, made out of wood. Michael? It's a
10: collection. You you said it's a wood baseball? A wood baseball. I don't really know what that is. Okay. I'm sorry.
1: Okay. All right, Dom, thanks for the call. All right. uh, Always a pleasure, Michael. Thanks for helping everybody out, and people can contact you one more time.
10: Three one two three seven nine nine zero nine zero or Michael at
1: And Be safe, in, everybody. com is the website. Thanks again, Michael. Appreciate it. Thanks, Nick. All Thanks. right. Michael Osaki. Help him. Uh, you can uh, get some help from him at BaseballInTheAttic.com. Pick the here on 720 WGN. We are live in the Skyline studio and here until 4 o'clock. Uh, my dad's going to call in and tell a joke because it's Monday and it's a jokey, jokey time, but it's special. Because it's my dad's 300th joke. He's going to tell. We always play some classic Johnny Carson clips uh, every morning at 2.30. You can watch the Johnny Carson show on Antenna TV every night. And uh, we're going to play Johnny's 4th of July monologue. Uh, And there you go. 312-981-7200. That's the phone number. Um, The Green Mill. Legendary jazz club and bar. I've been there a couple times, Tom. <laughs> well, last time I was there, I did mention you by name, mm-hmm. and they—oh, they remembered. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a—it's a—it's a legendary place. And uh, when I was a drinking man, I I drank there a lot. <laughs> so, the Green Mill reopened on Friday. Uh, the Legendary Jazz Club at 4802 North Broadway is one of the only live music venues in the city opening um, the first day that businesses can open. It'll be open from 3 to 11 daily with live music every night. Um, after being closed for three months, Green Mill owner Dave Gemelo, who's a great guy by the way, said he's moving forward with opening in an effort to keep the lights on. To get some kind of dough coming in, Gemelo said that he's at a reopening. We need to stay alive. Friday marked the phase four of the city's reopening plan following the stay at home order instituted to slow the spread of coronavirus under the plan. Museums, bars, restaurant, dining rooms, and performance venues can open up their doors with social distancing and reduced capacity. Most live entertainment venues in the city, uh, did not reopen on Friday. Industry veterans have said that the reopening remains too challenging from a financial and logistical standpoint. Gemelo says he understands those concerns, saying his reopening is an experiment that may or may not prove to be financially viable. City regulations stipulate venues must operate at 25% capacity and that social distancing be observed inside the premises. For the Green Mill, that means a capacity of 44.5 people, Gemilo said. 44.5. Um, every other booth in the club will be closed off. Half of the usual number of dance floor tables will be up and running. Customers must wear masks unless seated, per city rules. To help stop the spread of coronavirus, there will be no vocal performances or wind instruments at the Green Mill. Instead, the live acts will play stringed instruments like piano or guitar, Jamalow said. City rules also say that patrons cannot remain in an establishment for more than two hours. The Green Mill will host two sets of live music each night and will turn over the house in between sets. Something the club never does, Gemilov said. Uh, I don't even know if it'll be worth it. This is all unprecedented. The coronavirus shutdown has been brutal for the city's bar and nightlife industry. Thousands of jobs lost and some venues wondering if they'll ever be able to open up again. Gemilov said there is pent-up demand for live entertainment in the city. He would know since a makeshift concert outside of Green Mill's doors earlier this month drew a credit crowd. Did you see that? I thought that that was pretty cool. Right out in front of the Green Mill. They set up some tables. Um, had musicians out there, safe distancing, all that stuff. Uh, Some of the success of the event was tampered when city officials said the Green Mill, uh, a visit following the second Sidewalk concert, Gemelo said. The business affairs officials reminded the barkeep of the rules about live performances and let him off with a warning. Now the Green Mill will do what it was been famous for since the 1910s. A lot of people are fired up. I think it's good. It's going to be good. I'm cautiously optimistic, Gemelo said. Do we know how it went? Any any reports about uh, the Green Mills reopening? So, yeah, the Green Mills, uh, you know, is actually one of my favorite places in Chicago, and you live right by there. I do, I do, right right by there. Yeah, it's got such a great facade out front. It's got so much history. Um, but they're not they're not open till four at this time. I can't tell you the number of times I've been there between 2 a.m. and 4 a.m. <laughs> it's a magical time. Yeah. Full of magical people and magical things. Yeah. It's a, it, it's, a it's a it's an institution, man. It's a, and I and I would hate to see anything bad happen to it. I hope they can survive through this. There's so many businesses and bars and things like that that are taking such a hit, man. Uh, Chicago is known worldwide for its wealth of jazz history, and the Green Mill Cocktail Lounge on the north side of the Windy City is the cream of the crop. Located in Chicago's uptown neighborhood, the Green Mill Lounge is home to more than 100 years of history, a century of world-famous musicians and American mobsters alike. Gotta throw in the mobsters. Named as a nod to Paris' Moulin Rouge Red Mill, the Green Mill Lounge was a popular hotspot for Chicago Chicagoan film artists to hang out after a long day of work. Located four blocks away from Essie Studios, the Green Mill hosts the likes of Frank Sinatra, Charlie Chaplin. Over time, the lounge featured uh, jazz greats such as Von Freeman and Kurt Elling and was decorated with a full-size nude statue of Circe's The God of Harvest, which still stands in the lounge today. But during the Prohibition era in the 1920s and early 30s, things began to turn sinister. Jack McGurn of the Chicago Outfit, uh, the Mafia run by Al Al Pacino. Al Capone took over the lounge and made it a speakeasy for Chicago's mobsters. The lounge rules were strict. Whenever Capone entered the room, the band leader would stop whatever he was playing and perform Capone's favorite, Gershwin's Rhapsody in Blue. (laughs) Capone's favorite is Rhapsody in Blue? Um, and when, uh, singer Joe E. Lewis left the lounge for a higher paying job, he was slashed in the throat by McGurn, although he did manage to survive, inspiring the 1957 film, The Joker is Wild. Um, more facts about the, uh, about the Green Mill here. And if you have any Green Mill stories, if you've been to the Green Mill, um, it's so rich with history. And on top of that, like a ton of movies have been shot there. And, by the way, the bartenders at the Green Mill are required to know every movie that's been shot there. Because, inevitably, they're going to be asked about it. So, um, 312-981-7200. We would love to hear from you if you've got any Green Mill memories. a a legendary place that uh, reopened with some rules just this past weekend. So, 312-981-7200. More coming up right here on WGN. Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. We're live in the Skyline studio here until uh, 4 a.m., as we are every weekday uh, morning. Um, coming up, we are going to be talking about brands that are still made here in America. We've got some uh, canned tuna price-fixing scandals. And if you wanted to get a degree in ninja studies, you can. 312-981-7200 is the phone number and uh, we're talking about the Green Mill. The Green Mill reopened as as many places did on Friday. Um, with limited capacity and uh, social distancing and all kinds of that stuff all, all kinds of things. But the Green Mill is a is a it's a, it's a legendary place and if you have any uh, Green Mill uh, memories, if, and if you'd like to talk about that place, 312-981-7200, 312-981-7200. Um so Jack McGurn of the Chicago Outfit, which was the mafia run by Al Capone, he took over, um, over the, uh, the, the bar itself. Under the ownership of McGurn, Capone made the Green Mill his lounge of choice. Um, his favorite seat still exists in the lounge today, strategically located to offer the mobster views of both the front and back entrances in case of danger. Um, what many guests of the Green Mill are unaware of Uh, as it is hidden from plain sight in the lounge, is that beneath the bar, there is a network of underground tunnels. The tunnels originally created to transport coal for the Green Mill's boilers were purportedly used by the mafia to store and traffic illicit booze. Local rumor is uh, also is that Capone used the tunnels as a secret escape route when the cops came around, adding to the Green Mill's historical intrigue. I've been down in those tunnels. Pretty cool. Today, the Green Mill is less famous for its gang activity and better known for its jazz shows, featuring premier jazz musicians and the classic neon Green Mill sign. The lounge lounge truly takes guests back to the 1940s. The Green Mill is also home to the Uptown Poetry Slam, the first poetry slam in the world. Is that right? That was the first poetry slam in the world? Wow. Wow. So, have you been to the Green Mill uh, often, Tom? Um, I went a lot more when I was working at the movie theater. And, uh, you know, you're not getting done until about 1, 1 thirty in the yeah. morning, yeah, that yeah. sort of thing. So, it was either if I if, if we wanted to stay in Rogers Park, go to the Oasis, if I wanted to oh, venture out. Oh, the Oasis. Yep, where dreams come true. Um, or if we wanted to go somewhere classy, if we wanted to class it up have a martini. Yeah. And listen to some really great music. That's 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 what really draws me there. Know, there's another f- there's another 4 o'clock joint across the street from the Green Mill. Yeah, the Uptown, Uptown Lounge. Uptown Lounge. Another another great spot. Yeah. Another great spot. A lot, there's a lot of great spots in Uptown. Well, it's got, a, it's got a big history as it used to be the entertainment district, right? Yeah. You know, that was where that was ostensibly Times Square, you know, and they kind of s- shared similar fates for a while. Yeah, it's true. When you get to about the the late 60s, 70s. I remember, I saw a bunch of movies at the Uptown, um, which of course remains dormant. But um, I remember specifically, I don't know why this one sticks with me, uh, but I remember specifically seeing The Iger Sanction with Clint Eastwood. You ever see that movie? It's a mountain climbing movie. It's really good. The Iger Sanction. It's a thriller that takes place like with mountain climbing. This is like mid seventies Clint, so this is like Clint at his peak. Didn't he just turn ninety? Didn't Clint Eastwood just turn ninety? And he's still he's still making movies. At one point, he's like making two movies a year in his eighties. Yeah, he turned ninety on May thirty first. Jeez. Yeah, Uptown is a Uptown is a, is a very unique is a unique neighborhood. The thing is, the the thing one of the things I love about Uptown. Is that there are so many neighborhoods that have been completely gentrified? Not uptown. Do you know what I mean? Well, you, I, I, I'll say this much. I'll say this much. There's a lot of condos going up. Yeah, they're, they're coming for it. I know, but it's been such a long time that they that yeah. like uptown refused to be anything but uptown. You know, that was the. Uh... When I went to college, that target that was that was the only target we could get to because right off the red line, right. They they warned us about it like we were going into like oh we were yeah going to Iraq. Oh yeah. I was yeah, like, yeah. it's fine. Well, there was a period of time. I will say this: it has it Let's has in, improved, but it used to be True. it used to be pretty scary. Uptown used to be pretty scary, and it still can be a little shaky here and there. You got good block, bad block, good block, bad block. That was definitely hard to explain to my mom. What good block? Bad block? No, <laughs> well, no, not that. Just you know, hey, I want to live here. She's oh. like uptown, because she grew up around exact same time as you. Uh, yeah, you know, grew up on the northwest side. Right, right. You guys were very similar upbringing. Yeah. Where and did she so, live? Uh, she grew up over uh at Montclair and Higgins. Oh, okay. Yeah, like right by the Blue Line. Right yeah, by yeah. The Harlem Blue yeah, Line. no, no, I know. I got so, but I said uptown. She said, yeah, it's huh. a, it's cool if you want to go to like one of three places. Come on. She was nervous. I said, no, I want to give it a shot. Aragon, man. My grandparents used to dance in the Aragon ballroom, but it was still literally a ballroom. Yeah. No, no, no. That was what it was known for, for years. It's certainly not known for its acoustics, I can tell you that much. (laughs) (laughs) I've been to many, many concerts at the Aragon. Not the best sound in the world. Riviera Fair is much better. In terms of acoustics. Because it's a theater. <laughs> but both of them could use a little, could use an update. Yeah. Here or there. We don't I, I, lo- of- I love the Aragon. I love that place. I really do. I remember I went to go see Public Enemy there. Public Enemy and um, Sonic Youth. And there was a riot outside afterwards. Because it was the first Gulf War. And there were protesters out. So this was a Gulf War, the first one in 1991. And so we're, we're walking out of the we're walking out of the theater, and Broadway is a mob scene. It's a mob scene. There's cops out there. There's protesters. And so, you know, we were like, let's get the hell out of here. I mean, there was, was an absolute riot with a ton of people right in front of the Aragon. So we had to get the hell out of there. Yeah, I'll never forget that man. Right, protesters because of the first Gulf War. Yeah, the air has got a lot of history, though. I had a ton of history. We well, used to drink beer out of buckets. Yes, they had buckets of beer, and you would get a bucket of you get a couple of buckets of beer. They were plastic with lids, plastic buckets, big big plastic buckets with lids. And at, at, at some at some point during the night, after everybody's been you know, uh, officially lubricated, uh, those lids would fly around the room. They would just like Frisbees, (laughs) but, uh, but yeah, so what you would do was you'd get a couple of buckets of beer and then you'd dunk your cup. So it was like a communal bucket, real, real, real safe, health conscious. You're dipping your Cup into a bucket of beer that you're sharing with three other people. Aragon, man, and those buckets would fly around too. Didn't, you know, I told you the story about the Faith No More show I saw there, right? <laughs> they had, they, they had, you know, they had folding chairs on the on the main floor, which was something that they didn't do very often at the Aragon. Most of the time, you just stood. On the main floor. If you wanted to sit, you'd go up to the balcony. So we were up in the balcony at the Faith No More show and saw the whole the whole thing. Mike Patton said, "Let's get rid of these chairs." Mike Patton, the lead singer for Faith No More, one of my favorite one of my favorite frontmen of all time in in rock in rock history. He's one of the best frontmen of all time. So anyway, he just suggested everybody just fold up the chairs and throw them up on stage. And so that's what they did. They. <laughs> They just started handing up chairs over people's heads, and uh, so it's just like chairs after chairs after chairs. We just sat up there and watched them, and then they just started piling up on stage. So, like all the chairs were all the chairs were actually gone from the from the uh, from the main floor, and there were just stacks of uh, folded chairs on the stage, like next to the drum kit, and more. I'd never seen anything like it. It was really insane. So lots of memories in the aragon crazy aragon uptown uptown neighborhood man it's uh it's a it's a it's an interesting one I can tell you that much, but yeah, and Tom lives there in the uptown neighborhood How long have you lived in uptown oh man, so I bought my place three years ago, so you've been there three years three years, yeah, three glorious years <laughs> of <laughs> Of just shenanigans. See, I... The, just wall-to-wall shenanigans. The closest I got to Uptown was the the 13 years I lived in Andersonville. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not very far from Uptown. Not at all. Um, and um, it's when I first moved in, when we first moved into Andersonville, it was my first ex-wife, was 1995. And it <clears throat> it was a different neighborhood in 1995. You know? It wasn't quite as serene as it is now. It was a little there were parts of it that were a little scary. And then as the years went by, I lived there for like 13 years in Andersonville, same apartment and everything. Uh you could gradually see the gentrification happening. I remember an uproar when the first Starbucks opened. People in the neighborhood were like, "No." And it used to be a florist, it was right on the corner of um where was it? Uh, Pauline? No. Belmorel and Clark. That's where the first Starbucks opened. And I just remember the neighborhood going nuts because it was such an independent. There was more ethnicity. There were more mom and pop shops than there are now. So when Starbucks came in, everybody was like, no. All the old guys at Simon's, there, there goes the neighborhood. There's going to be a bunch of guys walking around with lattes. Yeah. Yeah, it seems it seems that it's self corrected in a sense. Hey, Andersonville is a great neighborhood. I I it's love very Andersonville. I, very Swedish. I oh yeah, absolutely. I've had, I've had some a great Swedish breakfast. Oh my god, yes. Oh, are you kidding me? Lingonberry pancakes. You know, uh, Scotty who owns Simon's, he owns Svea. Oh really? Yeah, which is a fantastic restaurant, the Swedish bakery. Please. That place rules. Although I was a little bit disappointed that I went in and wanted to give my compliments to the chef, and it wasn't a puppet with human hands. (laughs) (laughs) Shorby gory I remember sitting in Simon's one time and looking out the window, because the Swedish bakery is right across the street from Simon's, and they had a cardboard cutout of Charlie Chan in the Swedish bakery. And I was like, what the hell? What? (laughs) Why would the Swedish Bakery, oh, Swedish Museum, I'm sorry, Swedish Museum, not the Bakery, the Swedish Museum, which is a couple doors down and directly across the street from Simon's. And I was sitting in Simon's and I'm like, why is there a a cardboard cutout of Charlie Chan in the Swedish Museum? And then someone told me that the two actors who played Charlie Chan were both Swedish. Two of the actors were, were Swedish. I had no idea. All these years I've been watching Charlie Chan movies, the guy's Swedish. So weird. So, anyway. All right, we're going to talk about brands that uh, actually were still made in America. We still have some stuff being made here in America. 312-981-7200. It's Nick DeGilio on WGN. Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. Uh, We're live in the Skyline studio here until 4. And we're going to talk about some brands that are still made right here in America. We got some canned tuna price-fixing scandals to talk about. And if you go to the Japan University, you can get your uh, studies degree in, in ninja studies. You can get a degree. <laughs> We've been talking about the Green Mill. Uh, the Green Mill and uh, other businesses have uh, have opened up slowly with rules. And uh, the Green Mill has like um, a ton of history, and it's uh, it was one of my favorite. When I was a drinking man, it was one of my favorite places to go. I, I was there a lot. Uh, usually between the hours of 2 a.m. and 4 a.m. That was that was where I spent. If you were looking for Nick DiGiulio on any given night between 2 and 4 a.m., most likely the Green Mill. Uh, let's see. Here's Mark on WGN. Go ahead, Mark.
15: Yeah, for anyone who doesn't know who Howard Levy is, he's a Grammy Award winner, and he's been a backup musician on – well over 200 albums i i know he's done uh, at least one kenny loggins album and uh, he uh, he lives locally and he has performed at the green mill and i went there during a summer of chicago heat wave and i was coming from church so i was a little late for his performance but when i walked into the green mill if I hadn't known that Howard Levy is a harmonica player, in addition to being a piano player, I could have sworn that he was playing a tenor sax, because he can get some amazing different sounds out of his harmonicas. And um as you would imagine, the Green Mill is well air-conditioned. And when he was done with his performance, and uh, I walked out into the Chicago heatwave to go back to Union Station, I felt like I was being knocked flat. Yeah, but let me, but let me tell you, it was worth it to see Howard Levy. Yeah, well, and I great, mean, the Green lot, Mill is a great little place.
1: It's a great place with a lot of history, and, and some amazing musicians have 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 graced that stage at the Green Mill. I've seen some unbelievable musicians in there. So, all right, thanks, Mark. Well, I so. Thanks, Mark. 312-981-7200 is the phone number. Yeah, the Green Mill. I do miss it. I do miss it. Well, the last time I was in there, I, deci- I this was a while ago now. I decided to name drop you. I did. And I was talking to the bartender. I said, do hey. Remember, do you remember the bartender's name? Yeah, Jason. Oh, yeah, Jason, sure. I, I turned to him. I was like, hey. Does the name Nick DeGiglio mean anything to you? He's, he's like, "Yeah, I know Nick DeGiglio. What what about him?" So I, w- I work for him now. I work with him. He's I'm his producer. He's like, "Oh, really? Really? That's funny." And I was like, "What what do you remember about him?" He says, "Well, if there's one thing I know about Nick DeGiglio <laughs> yeah. is that there I have never met a man that has hated Ferris Bueller's day off so much." <laughs> Hours. Hours in this place yeah. in this joint complaining about Ferris Bueller's Day off. Yeah, yeah. That's I true. T- I was like, yeah, that's that's pretty on brand. It's true. That's pretty, uh, on, you know, on brand. I was um I was friendly with the staff, you know. And I I also spent some time some mornings there till about six thirty at the end of the bar. You gotta get your breakfast. You got we would go down to the end of the bar around the corner, so you know. Nobody could see us in the window, the front window. So that's where, you know, the after-hours stuff would happen. Right around the corner at the bend, right by the back door. So, yeah, spend a significant amount of time <laughs> after hours in that place. <laughs> Not a bad place to watch the sunrise. Yep. So we're talking about brands that are still made in America. And there's a ton of them here. Boy, this is a, this is, this is there's 76 of them. American made brands. Wow. Because we're getting close to the 4th of July. We may as well celebrate some of the things that are done here and made here right in uh, America. Here's uh, Deborah on WGN. Hi, Deborah. Hi, Nick. Hi.
2: Yes, uh, I'm calling about um, Kellogg's flakes. Uh, Tony the Tiger, of course, they have a huge statue in front of the plant, and they have a very excellent educational program where you go to visit, yes. So my my husband and I went there to visit, and uh, I was very happy because I learned about corn, uh, various uh, grades of corn that I had no idea existed.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, uh, that's in Battle Creek, Michigan, and... um... I've been there. I've been there a few times, and you know what's unbelievable about Battle Creek, Michigan? It smells so good because of that factory.
2: It that just, is quite true. It smells yeah. like
1: it smells like wonderful warm cereal. Have you ever been to Battle Creek, Tom? I have not. Oh man! And first of all, the the tour, the the Kellogg's tour, is fantastic. It I, is. I I highly recommend if anybody goes up to Battle Creek to 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 take the Kellogg's tour, and then you get sample packs at the end. Yes, that is quite true. Yeah. Okay, Deborah. Thanks. You're welcome. Yeah. Here's another thing. We were taking the train up to Detroit, my ex-wife and I, taking the train up to Detroit to uh, hook up with her brother who lived in Detroit, and we went to go see Dave. And so we were taking the train up, and uh, we went through Battle Creek. And it was it was one of the stops that the train made. We took an Amtrak. So it was one of the stops. And when the doors opened, when we hit, the, when we hit Battle Creek at the, the train stop at Battle Creek, when the doors of the train opened you could just it the the smell of warm cereal just wafted right into the right into the train the whole the whole town smells great but even in the train even we were just sitting in the train the doors open up and all of a sudden it's like oh man lovely warm cereal air yeah a great place. Battle Creek is great. And and the Kellogg's, like I said, the Kellogg's Tour is something you should check out if you've never gone. But we've got a bunch of uh, brands that are made right here in America. Um, Weber Grills. Weber Grills, made right here in America. Uh, it's rounded shape, of the rubber, the, the rounded shape of the Weber grill, which hasn't changed since it was first designed in 1952 has helped make it a recognizable fixture at outdoor cookouts. Although Weber does make gas models overseas, all other Weber grills are made in the company's headquarters in Palatine, Illinois. Uh, including, Including cheapisms picked for the best charcoal grill. I did not know that Weber Grill headquarters was in Palatine. How did I not know that? Yeah, Weber Grill's... Legendary. Uh, so yeah, they're they're out in Palatine, still making Weber grills out in Palatine. Airstream trailers. They start at uh, thirty seven uh, thousand nine hundred dollars. Often associated with cross country road trips of yesteryear, the iconic aluminum Airstream trailer is now the oldest luxury trailer in the industry. Its longevity is thanks in large part to the high quality manufacturing processes of the company's plant in Jackson Center, Ohio, which still employs nearly 500 people. If even Airstream's smaller trailers are too much, there's uh, branded clothing and accessories that are also available online at the online store. All right. Airstream trailers, those are cool. Very cool. Super cool. cool. Yeah. Uh, Here's Donna on WGN. Hi, Nick. Hi.
9: Um, Lemonhead candies for Ferrara uh, Pan Company. Ferrara Pan,
1: yeah.
9: They're made uh, in Illinois. Yep. Just uh, west of Harlem. It's, a, it's the, right by it's the right by the Expressway. It's
1: right by the right by the Harlem Cermic Mall.
9: Yeah, because you can smell. Yes, you can. Lemonheads.
1: Yes, it's you can. Amazing. Yep. The
9: other thing that that's made in uh, the USA is is my pillow.
1: Oh yes. Yes, and it is.
9: various other products from Minnesota.
1: Right, right out of Minnesota. Okay, Donna, thanks.
9: Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah.
1: yeah, you can smell the candy when you get off the expressway. You know, I've never noticed that. I had no idea. That I for, for our Pan? I, yeah, I didn't. I, I had no idea. Right that. here. Been there yeah, forever. Lemonheads. I love Lemonheads. Oh, I me mean, too. They make Red Hots, too. See, you can't get me. I'm not a Oh, you're not guy. a cinnamon guy. That's I right. I don't do cinnamon. I love cinnamon. But uh, Lemonheads, that's a great candy. And it's right by the Harlem Surmac Theater, movie theater. I don't know if it's still there or not. How long have Lemonheads been around? Forever, man. Like, since the 50s? Oh, I would think so. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That seems like a, a candy that you cannot go wrong with. No, you lemonheads. can't. They're fa- they're lemon- lemonheads are outstanding. You yeah. know what's great about Lemonheads? Is that when you first put a couple of Lemonheads in your mouth, it's not very sour. Then 10 minutes later, your, your eyes are watering. <laughs> that's that's the perfect sour candy yeah you don't want it up front you want it later yeah no lemonheads are awesome man they're awesome um I used to get them all the time when I when I when I was when I was younger and go to the movies lemonheads was my go-to that was my go-to candy now I don't eat anything when I go to the movies so okay let's uh break here we've got more american- made items to talk about lots of really great items here and if you want to jump in it's three one two nine eight one 7200 312 981 7200 right here on WGN. Right. Hello. Somewhere in the night. Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. How are you? We are live in the Skyline studio here uh, until 4 o'clock. My dad's going to call in and tell a joke, but it's a special one because it's going to be joke number 300 for my dad. 300 jokes. Uh, We always play back some classic Johnny Carson. You can watch the Johnny Carson show every night on Antenna TV. And we're going to play back uh, Johnny's 4th of July monologue. Um, And uh, right now we are talking about um, brands that are still made in America. And if you want to jump in, it's 312-981-7200. The news is next from the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom. Okay. Let's say hello to uh, some more uh, listeners who are on the uh, Team Hawkbird phone line. Here's Mike on WGN. Hi, Mike.
6: Yeah, hi. <clears throat> Excuse me. Hi, I recently heard of the pa- that the packaging on several well-known brands is going to be changed. Uh, for example, Uncle Ben's Rice and Aunt Jemima are going to do away with, uh, what else? Uh, the Indian Girl on the cover of Land O'Lakes Butter is going to be taken off. Right. And... Most ridiculously, Snap, Crackle, and Pop going to be removed from Kellogg's Rice Krispies because they're white. Uh-huh. Uh, aren't these insane? Well... I mean, these are just harmless, you know, figures, that's all.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Harmless. I mean, you know, uh, we're, we're living in a different society now, Mike. That's all there is to it. So, um, thanks for the call. 312-981-7200 is the phone number. Here's Robert on WGN. And Hi, Robert.
7: Hey, Nick, again. Uh, Again, you've got to remember a dear friend of mine from fifth grade who owns WeatherTech. Always made here in America, always will be. Okay. And then uh, my good friend from years and years back, Charlie Ott. Charlie Ott makes non-acid tomatoes for Campbell Soup Company. Oh, I see. So the tomato soup that you get is, those are not regular tomatoes. They're a specific non-acid tomato.
1: Well, that's probably why it Knees gives it up that in specific. in Michigan. That's probably why it's got that distinctive flavor, then.
7: Oh, it, that is the reason why. Yeah. There's yeah.
1: Yeah. So, two of me for you. Okay, hey, right mate. Thanks, man. You know what else is made in, made in, uh, made in um, uh, America? Gibson guitars. Uh, Gibson guitars are among the most iconic instruments in popular music, and the company is fittingly based in Nashville also known as Music City. The company was founded in Michigan more than a century ago and now makes its guitars at factories in Tennessee and Montana. Prices can go well into the thousands for certain guitars on Amazon. The company went through a bankruptcy reorganization in 2018 and began a back-to-basics approach with good results. Is Fender made here? Um, they, they have two s- styles of guitars. You can get what are called the Mexican-made ones, which are they have factories in Mexico, um, which to be fair, known for making pretty good guitars. Uh, Are those Squire? No, I, I think Squire is made there, but you can get a Fender. Just the standard one is made in Mexico, like a Strat, like a like a standard Strat. Yeah, but you can purchase an American made Strat. Oh, I see. American made Tele, like I have an American made Telecaster. Yeah, that I got because there was, it was I got it for cheap because there has a uh, an imperfection in it, mm-hmm. and if it's not, it's one of those things where it's like. If there's a stitch out of line or like one bolt is not quite right, they can't sell it for full price, or they won't. Yeah. Rather, they won't sell it for full price. So you can get American-made uh, Fender guitars. There are a lot of great American-made guitars, um, but yet Gibson has always, always prided itself on yeah. being made in the USA. I had a I had a Fender when I played guitar. I had a Strat. Beautiful guitars. Yep. Beautiful guitars. Wilson footballs made in America. You can get a Wilson football for sixteen bucks. Wilson is the official supplier of footballs to the National Football League. Each pigskin is handmade in America. More than 4,000 leather footballs are made daily at the company's Felicity Felicity. (sighs) facility in Ada, Ohio, which employs 120 people. Wilson footballs come with a pump and a T. They come with a pump? Oh, I didn't know that. Um, American Plastic Toys, staying true to its name for more than 55 years, American Plastic Toys has resisted outsourcing its production to China, where 90% of toys sold in America are made. A figure that may be in flux with tariffs that went into place. The company employs 300 workers at five facilities in Michigan and Mississippi to make toy cars, dollhouses, wagons, toy strollers, uh, and then more for sale at Walmart and Walgreens. I like the generic name, though. American Plastic Toys. It's not difficult to figure out what they make. (laughs) How about KitchenAid Mixers? Made in America. KitchenAid Mixer has been around in one form or another for more than 100 years now. The mixers are still made at the company's flagship plant in Greenville, Ohio. Even as KitchenAid has come to make many non-American-made appliances as well, the iconic stand mixers uh, are noted for their performance and durability. Allen Edmonds shoes, starting at $97. $97 for a pair of shoes? Only 2% of shoes sold in America are made here, including Allen Edmonds footwear. The company specializes in painstakingly crafted, hand-stitched men's dress shoes of varying styles and widths. The company's shoes are understandably expensive, but its website includes a cle- it, d- it does include a clearance section. Starting at $97 for a pair of shoes. Jeez. Hey, you know, sometimes if you pay a good amount, you get good out of it. Yeah, that's a lot of money for a pair of shoes, though in 100 bucks for a pair of shoes? Maybe they make you smarter or more attractive. Oh, wait a minute now. But wait a minute. Don't don't a lot of the uh a lot of the gym shoes, basketball shoes go for a lot of money too. Well, yeah. Yeah. Like your Jordans, your and, stuff Jordans like, and stuff. Your Air like Jordans and stuff like that. I mean, really if if we're being honest, like even a standard pair of Adidas if you're getting them, you know, new, they're going to run you almost 70. dollars when all said and done, I wear Converse All Stars. Wear your Chuck Taylors. Yep. How much? Are, how much for a pair of Chucks? Oh, I don't know. It's been a while since I bought one. Been a while since I bought a pair. I think it's thirty something, thirty five mm-hmm. bucks, maybe. They used to go for like eighteen bucks. Um, they're not very good for your feet. No, but they're, they're comfortable as hell. Hated by orthopedic surgeons yeah, everywhere. But they're, they're rather but loved. The, by it's them. like it's like not wearing shoes. More or less, yeah. Yeah, I love them. uh green toys to date green toys has recycled more than 55 million milk jugs to make eco-friendly toys that meet rigorous standards for sustainability and safety not to mention durability relying on a local all-american supply chain also helps to reduce energy use green toys has become top seller of eco-friendly children's toys offering miniature toy vehicles and Sorting sets that rarely exceed $30. I've never heard of green toys, have you? No? Uh, Lasco Fans. Lasco specializes in small appliances for heating and cooling the home. Although a few of its products are now made overseas, the Lasco Motors come from China. The company continues to make um, many American made products at plants in tennessee texas and pennsylvania including its sleek wind curve cooling fan and it also sells an oscillating stand fan for 30 bucks i always have a fan at the i have a fan at the foot of my bed always on when i'm when i go to bed do you not have central air or no air conditioning i have an air conditioner in my room yeah in my bedroom but i know i just have it on even if i have the air conditioner on i have it on one, the sound, and two, the little breeze is nice. Ah, there it is. You're a white noise person. Kind of. I barely sleep, anyway. Yeah, that's true. Fiesta tableware, starting at 10 bucks from Kohl's. Fiesta makes ceramic tableware for humans and their furry friends in colorful, several colorful Art Deco styles, and last year introduced its bowl plate for use with any kind of meal. Fiesta prices start low but opt for a larger set for the best value. Bowl plate? Is it a combination bowl and plate? Finally, that would be my that would be my guess, right? Finally our prayers have been answered. A bowl plate <laughs> Is that a necessary item? I guess less dishes to do. Are you tired of having to have a bowl and a plate? Enjoy a bowl plate. It's the best of both worlds, like the Spork. Spork. What was the the name of, was it Forky? Yeah. In in Toy Story 4? Yeah. Forky. One of the greatest characters of all time. Even though he was a Spork. He was a Spork, but they called him Forky. One of the greatest characters ever. Hilarious. Tony Hale. Uh, Crayola Crayons. Oh, man, I love Crayola Crayons. Who did not grow up with Crayola Crayons? Did you ever have the big set of Crayola crayons that has the sharpener on it? No. No. I was always jealous. And my mom would sometimes get me Rose Art. You ever heard of Rose no. Art? They're like Crayola, but they're not as good. Oh no, you gotta have Crayola it. Crayons. has to, I know. I, I hate to Was it say six, it was sixty four, right? The set of sixty four, that yeah. was the big one that had the that had the sharpener. Yeah. I think now you get like a one one hundred and twenty oh, yeah. different shades. It's amazing. I love Crayola crayons. Every art supply sold uh, under the Crayola label is made at the company's flagship factory in Easton, Pennsylvania. Also, the site of one of the company's extravagant Crayola Experience retail sites. An average day's production totals 13 million crayons alone. Prices usually range from $5 to $25 for sets of colored pencils, chalk, silly putty eggs, paint, and more. All right. There we go. Hey, more items that are made right here in America coming up right here on 720 WGN. Nick degilio here on 720 WGN. We are live in the Skyline studio here until four o'clock as we are every weekday morning. It's Monday. That means my dad's going to tell a joke, but it's a special one because it's joke number 300. Can you believe that, Tom? Joke number uh-huh. three hundred. I think your dad. Your dad told me they started back in 2013, twenty thirteen or Sorry, twenty fourteen. Twenty fourteen. Yeah, he started. I got the. I got the overnight full time gig in thirteen. Yeah, and and um, yeah. It was it was like September of two thousand thirteen when I got this gig, mm-hmm. and so my dad. We I got. I, I think we got him in early in two thousand fourteen. Mm-hmm. So and here we are, three hundred jokes later. Three hundred jokes. Amazing and he's not running out either I can guarantee you he will not run out of jokes my dad so that's coming up we've got brands that are we were talking about brands that are still made in America uh, a Japan university awards its first ninja studies degree <laughs> what consists of ninja? what's what's in ninja studies I wonder um, hey J, uh, classic Johnny Carson every uh, morning at 2.30... We play back some great Johnny Carson, whether it's a a sketch or an interview or just some stand-up. And you can watch Johnny Carson show every night on Antenna TV. And then every morning at 2.30, you get to hear some more uh, fun Johnny Johnny, uh, Carson stuff. And we've got Johnny's 4th of July monologue that we're going to be hearing. So we're talking about brands and items that are still made right here in America. Have you ever heard of Socks for Life? It's all one word with a four in the middle, the number four, Socks for Life. Starting at $2, you can get a pair of socks for 2 bucks. Make sure you wear those with your $97 pair of shoes. Socks for Life isn't a manufacturer, but rather an online retailer specializing in socks made in the United States by other companies. Oh, its selection is affordable. Most three-pair packs sell for less than 10 bucks. That's a deal. And varied, with sections devoted to thermal socks, boot socks, and even diabetic socks. A few non-American made items are on the site are specified in company product descriptions. So they let you know if it's non-American. Goodwear USA Clothing. Every step of the manufacturing and supply process is all-American at Goodwear USA, a domestic clothing brand known for high-quality, lightweight shirts and sweatshirts for men and women. The cotton the company uses is verified American-grown. Products typically do not exceed $100. Okay. It's fun to find out about these things. How about this? Stetson hats. Well, I mean, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Stetson hats, starting at about sixty bucks from Amazon. You can get a Stetson hat for 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 sixty bucks. Wait, really? Yeah, I might have to get myself a Stetson. A Texas company. Yeah, there's a shock right there. Texas, a Texas company founded at the tail end of the Civil War. Wow. Stetson is now the only company to make cowboy hats entirely in the USA. It's also one of the largest hat makers in the nation. Still a cornerstone of Western lore, millions of Stetson hats are made each year in the company's nine-acre Philadelphia plant. So they're plants in Philadelphia. They're a Texas-based company, but they're plants in Philadelphia. We got to get you a Stetson. Oh, no. What would it take for you to come into work?
0: Wearing a Stetson? Wearing
1: a Stetson. What am I, urban cowboy? I mean, maybe. Maybe. I'm not a cowboy guy, man. No? No. No, I would not look good in a Stetson. I guarantee you. They need to custom make mine. I got a huge noggin. Yeah, that you know that that used to run in my in uh, that used to be a, a common theme with all my producers. Giant heads. Shaguru didn't have a giant head. Just a giant heart. But I had two. I had two other producers with m- magnificently large heads. It's like, besides you. Yeah. It's like Sputnik. My uh. One of my first producers, Andy Herman, deceptively giant head. Oh, so it kind of like, like the rest of his body is yeah. really proportional. But then like we were out one night at a bar, which was often Andy and I, and um, he took off his Cubs hat and I put it on and I was swimming in it. I was like, I can't believe your head does not look that big. So I'm, I'm wearing a fitted ball cap right now. So it's it's got the size yeah could you would you be able to guess roughly what do you, uh eight and three quarters no not th- not quite that big okay that's uh seven and four quarters se- seven and three quarters seven and three quarters Okay, <laughs> four quarters that's an eight eight, A- eight. <laughs> that's not that bad yeah i you know I that's could, not that that's not that big man this is nice and snug yeah i don't think that that's big like andy's head was enormous <laughs> to have its own gravitational. I mean, it was ridiculous, and, and and again, like I said, deceptively, because he did not look like you know you see you see guys walking around with big heads, and you go, geez, look at the size of that noggin on, it. like uh, Dawson from Dawson's Creek. He's nice. got a, yeah, that guy's got the biggest noggin I've ever seen, a five head. What the hell's his name? James, Van Der, James Vanderbeek. Vanderbeek, yeah. yeah, biggest head I've ever seen. You ever you ever look at the size of that guy's head? I, I have. I have seen the size of James James Vanderbeek's head. God. <laughs> they gotta give him a massive pillow. He's got a huge head, that guy. I remember the first time I saw him, I was like, whoa, "Whoa, how is that even balancing on his head, on his neck?" I don't know. Speaking of balance, look at this segue: New Balance shoes, starting from one hundred and seventy to one hundred and seventy dollars. That come on, I don't believe that. Starting at around one hundred and seventy dollars for a pair of New Balance shoes. Am I nuts? Why? Wh- when did shoes become the most expensive item no. in the world? I, I think there. I, I I think that might be a, a typo. Probably starting at seventy dollars. I'm looking. This I'm says a hundred and seventy. I I am going to say no. No say- no other brand makes uh, as much athletic footwear in the U S. than New Balance. It's, really? Seriously? Wow! Each year the company looks makes more than 4 million pairs with at least 70% domestic materials. Look for shoes labeled Made in the USA, which are often more durable but priced higher. The company faced a class-action suit over the claim that was settled in 2018, good enough for the U.S. military to sign a $17.3 million contract to buy sneakers for basic training. Wow. There's a contract for you right there. You know how old New Balance is? No. Started in 1906. New Balance started in 1906? 114 years ago. Jeez. New Balance. Wow. I would never have thought that. Yeah. Well, it was founded as a New Balance arch support company. And that was always their kind of claim is that they're really nice and orthopedic. Yeah. They're good for your feet. Really, I should be wearing New Balance because I have no arches. Yeah. But yeah. And again, I've got Converse on right now. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you might as well be walking on like a plank of wood. Yeah. Yeah. That's the only shoes I own. I own. I own I own Doc Martens, a pair of dress shoes, and three pairs of uh, All Stars. Well, no wonder every morning you get up. It's just, ugh. yeah. It's because you, you got no arts. Let's get you some Shoals. Can I can I get you a pair? could you get you a thing of Doctor Shoals? Uh, I actually I have Doctor Shoals in my in my Docs. That's good. That's a good start. I do. Let's get them for the uh, for the Chucks though. Yeah, you don't need that for your Chucks. <laughs> It's like wearing slippers, man. All right. Got gotcha. Hey, more uh, brands that were made in the, uh, in the uh, USA. And we're talking to have some fun here talking about some of these cool items. Three one two nine eight one seven two hundred New Balance. And learning about New Balance and the history of New Balance shoes. All right. Nick DeGilio on 720 WGN. Right. Uh, Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. We are live in the Skyline studio, 18 stories above beautiful downtown Chicago here till 4 o'clock. Um, As we are every weekday morning, 11 p.m. to 4 a.m. It is Monday. That means my dad's going to call in and tell a jokey, jokey, jokey time. It's a special one, though, because it's going to be my dad's 300th joke. So, uh, very cool. Uh, We are talking about brands that are still made in America. Uh, How about Burt's Bees personal care products? Great product. Great line of products, I got to say. Burt's Bees sells about 200 skin and hair care products with an environmentally friendly approach from its headquarters in North Carolina. Now owned by Clorox, Burt's Bees still makes lip balms, ointments, and minimal processing with minimal processing or additives. Prices rarely exceed $25, and the media has buzzed over how one $3 tube of Burt's lip balm sells every second. Wow. You know, they actually make some really good uh, pet products as well. Really? Yeah. I've got these uh, these anti-dander wipes. They're Burt's Bees anti-dander wipes that I use for my cat. Oh, really? Yeah, because my mom's allergic. And so, actually, both of my bro- – I'm the only one who doesn't have an active allergy to cats. Well, well that's good. And I don't – well, I just don't know how it happened. Yeah, it's you know? weird. It's super weird. And uh, – but I just got these wipes that cut down on, I, you wipe down the cat, like a piece of furniture. Uh-huh. And it helps with the dander, and there's less dander I guess that there. makes, yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it just kind of soothes the skin, and he loves it because he thinks he's getting groomed. Does he shed a lot? Uh, last, last few weeks, this has gotten hotter, but nothing out of the ordinary, I'd say. Mm-hmm. But he's a good cat. He likes to get groomed. He loves getting a brush. He'll turn over on oh, the no, side. Oh no, no cats love that stuff, oh, it's, man. It's awesome. Cats love it. Yeah. Used to uh used to brush the nut. And he loved it. Yeah. Big fat nut. <laughs> His favorite place to 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 lay down was we had like a like a rug uh, in front of our front door, in the in, in, in their condo, And that was where he was. Like, so if somebody was trying to get in, he wouldn't move. He weighed nine hundred pounds, so like if Heather was coming home from work or something, she would unlock the door, and he would just be sitting there, and she'd have to like push the do- <laughs> push the door to get him to get up and move. <laughs> he was one of those cats who would flop down. You know what I mean? Like he boom, and he weighed nine thousand pounds, so it was like every time you'd watch him flop and hit the ground, it would be like. It's gonna be an earthquake in the apartment? The world's biggest cat. Oh, he was so huge. Yeah, well it's all fun and games until you step into a hairball bare with your bare feet. Yeah, you know, he was he was he there there wasn't really a hairball problem with ruffle. I've had cats, long haired cats, that are just like, forget it. <laughs> that famous sound. <laughs> You know, you would always like be sitting on the cat, cou- like sitting on the couch, and suddenly you hear, uh, and like, oh man, get the paper towels. <laughs> Ruffle would do that every once in a while. He would, he would, oh, you jeez. know, he would, he would, uh, uh, and then, so like, I would get up because you would hear the the war- That's the warning sign, as you know, your cat's about to upchuck because it's a very distinctive original noise. So I would get up and I would grab, you know, a bunch of paper towels and then I would try to put them in front of him and he Dread, kept yes. moving. He would keep moving. No, like yeah. I was putting the paper towels. I wanted him to vomit on the paper towels. I'm like, if you're going to go, go on the paper towel. If you're going to do this, go on the paper towel. And he would do it. Uh, uh, and he would be moving around, avoiding the paper towels for some reason. Like, come on, man. Cut me a break here, man. <laughs> It just uh, completely avoiding the paper towels. Just moving around. He wanted. To, he wanted to vomit on the rug. It just. Oh boy, I'm gonna have to pull that sound for the Nick DiGilio soundboard over here. <laughs> you imitating a, a cat. cat vomiting? Yeah. yeah, heaving. Oh my. God. Well, I've had a lot of cats in my life, and yeah. it's a, every time you hear that sound, you're like, "Oh boy, here we go." Get the brawny. Yep. And most cats do avoid that. Like they will move away from the paper towel. I don't understand. I don't understand. Just give me a break, man. Just if you're gonna if you're gonna upchuck, do it on this towel. All right, help a homie out. Hey, Zippo lighters are made in America. I used to when I sm- when I was a smoker, I used to, I had a Zippo. You know what it was? It was a Triple H Zippo. Oh my god! <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> in case people didn't know that you were cool. You could show them. Did you do yeah, the yeah. thing where you it on your jeans? Where you go? Oh no! Where you could, fl- you know, and just light it on. on now, I had side a friend who I had a friend who had a holster for his Zippo. A holster on his belt. Oh, that's where God. he kept. That's where he kept his Zippo in a little holster on his belt. And he would do the leg thing. Yeah, I ordered it from WWF at that time. It was a Triple H Zippo. I can't remember how much I paid for it. The first Zippo lighter was made in 1933 in Bradford, Pennsylvania, and the thousands of variations made since have almost all been made in that same town. The reusable metal lighter company is now an iconic American brand selling its products around the world. Yeah. My, my buddy who had the Zippo hoster, he had that Zippo for years, man. How long can you keep a zippo how long does a zippo last? I wonder can you keep a zippo for because my, my my buddy had his zippo for years but I don't know what the what the what the lifespan of a zippo lighter is my, I still I still think I have mine it's in a box somewhere but I don't smoke anymore so uh, I don't really use it. Also made in America, Louisville Sluggers, starting at 30 bucks from Dick's Sporting Goods. Baseballs are no longer made in the United States, but at least some bats are. Although the brand was sold to a Finnish company. Really? Louisville Sluggers are still made in Kentucky, as they have been since 1884, including its signature wooden model. Yeah, they got to be made in Kentucky. Can't make those anyplace else. Benjamin Moore Paint. Founded in, it's a, starting at 40 bucks from Benjamin Moore Paint. Founded in Brooklyn by an Irish immigrant in 1883, Benjamin Moore now operates in eight locations throughout New Jersey that collectively makes more than 3,500 paint colors. Wow. Owned by Berkshire Hathaway, Benjamin Moore's products are noted for their high quality. Uh, Prices for their gallon-sized cans and other products uh, vary among retailers. Um, Auric XL Vacuums, made in America. Many of the vacuums and air purifiers made by Auric are made outside of the United States, but its signature extended-life vacuum is still made entirely at its factory in Cookville, Tennessee even now that the company has been acquired by a large multinational corporation. Post-it notes. Post-it notes, starting at less than five bucks from Amazon. That's what uh, Romy and Michelle invented. Romy and Michelle invented post-it notes. (laughs) That's when they went to their high school reunion. Uh, Every Post-it note available for purchase in the United States or Japan is made right here in America, most of them at 3M's plant in Cynthiana, Kentucky. The plant was once used to make copies and overhead projectors, copiers and overhead projectors, and the facilities have expanded to focus on the adhesive notepads since 1985. Post-it notes have been around since 1985? Why does that seem like a, a very long time? Pyrex Glassware, starting at about $18 for a six-piece set from Amazon. Wow, that's that's uh, that's pretty cheap. Pyrex was founded in 1915 and sold to Corning in 1998, but the new ownership avoided transferring American manufacturing operations overseas. Although Pyrex's metal bakeware is now made abroad, the oven-safe, lidded uh, glassware used to preserve many of leftover meals, is still made in factory in Pennsylvania. Do you have any Pyrex at home? Oh, yeah. My, my, all my measuring glasses is, is Pyrex. Yeah. L.L. Uh, Bean boat and, t- and tote bags. <laughs> oh, God. L.L. Bean. What's a boat b- b- bag? Bo- oh. Boat and to- tote bag. That's a good question. Uh, L.L. Bean's line of simply yet effective boat and tote bags has been in Maine from a hardy 24-ounce canvas since it was first introduced in 1944. The Freeport-based company makes some of its other products abroad, but its online store has a convenient Made in the USA category that includes footwear and outdoor gear in addition to the bags. I mean, yeah. It's just kind of just kind of like a bag, you know. I it's hard to. I mean, it doesn't look different. It would. It wouldn't look like a different sort of bag to you, to you or I, or to anybody else. Yeah. But it's just like a nice bag made in Maine. Made in Maine. Yeah. All right. uh, here's Danielle on WGN. Go ahead, Danielle. Oh,
13: hey. How are you? All right. What's up? Um. Okay. So basically, I'm trying to figure out where I live right now, neighborhood wise. So I was like born and in, not initially born and raised in like Edison Park. and My whole life, I was telling people that I was from the suburb of Edison Park. I literally did not know I was part of Chicago. Yeah, it is. And now I'm back. Now I'm back, and because then I was raised in Palatine, which was literally hell for me. I hate the suburbs. And then so I'm now back in the city, and I really thought I was in like Rogers Park. Then I think I'm in Andersonville, and I I'm off of I'm on Tallman. But, like, I'm near a bunch of things, like the Bud Woods Branch, Chicago Public Library, near, like, this massive... I'm off of Hollywood and Western, kind of, and then California and Lincoln. But, like, I thought I was in Andersonville, That's and not... I don't know what neighborhood I live in.
1: I don't know what neighborhood you live in, but it's, cer- it's definitely not Andersonville.
13: Yeah, because I, yeah. I like Andersonville. Yeah. The ones that are near me, it says, like, Arcadia Terrace. Peterson Park, but these are just like small things that I've I haven't really heard of these areas. Yeah. So like, and I don't really like it because I feel like almost like it's like a suburb. Like all around me is just families, and I mean it's very peaceful, which is nice.
1: Yeah, you know, I don't. I, don't, I, don't just, I, I can't answer your question. I don't know. I don't know the neighborhood that you're well, in. Yeah, I think Danielle. Oh, you're, really? Yeah, you're west of Andersonville. By, I'm
13: west. Yes, I'm yeah, west you're of, Andersonville.
1: of Andersonville. Just. You're kind of just out there, I guess. uh, I'm
13: by, like, St. Hillary's Catholic Church. I don't know if you know that one. I don't know
1: where that is. I have no idea, Danielle. Maybe somebody will know. Maybe. Okay, thanks. All right, we got a break here. Um, And then when we come back, we've got comedy from uh, Johnny Carson. You can watch the Johnny Carson Show on Antenna TV every night. And uh, we are going to hear Johnny's 4th of July monologue. Do we know what year this is, Tom? Uh, I'll, I'll get you the year okay. on that in a moment Alright we'll look it up But anyway we play Carson Comedy Classics And uh, we'll do it right after this Alright Hello Nick DiGiulio here on 720 WGN We're live in the Skyline studio 18 stories above beautiful downtown Chicago We're here till 4 o'clock At 4 o'clock we've got uh, we'll vi- Visit Bradley Place for the TV side of WGN And get some early morning news from that great group And then at 5 o'clock it's your morning drive With the one and only Bob Surratt is the phone number if you'd like to join us. We're going to get back to some of these uh, great products and brands that are still made in America. But every morning at around 2.30, we play back some classic Johnny Carson clips. We'll do some sketches or some stand-up or interviews and things like that. And we do it every uh, every morning at uh, 2.30, every weekday morning. So uh, we've got uh, 4th of July, obviously, is coming up. So we've got, uh, from the classic Carson collections of 1975, Johnny Carson doing a 4th of July monologue.
0: Thank you, That's right. Happy birthday. <laughs> to us. Everybody. Everybody's birthday today, right? Country, right. 199 years old, and uh, are you in the fireworks display later tonight? I just want you to think of me as your own personal Roman candle. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. Uh, good evening. I'm Johnny Carson. I'm going to bring you a safe and sane fourth tonight, because the monologue is a dud. <laughs> Reason I'm here tonight, actually, I wasn't going to be here, but my favorite campsite was filled up. <laughs> Have you been out on the roads at all? You yeah. can't move, I understand, out at the beaches. Did you go anyplace today? No, uh, this is it for me. I mean, I'm <laughs> celebrating right here, ah. as I often do. <laughs> Tom, how, Tom, how about you? How about what? What? <laughs> It's those toughies that throw it. Uh, Tommy, uh, he loves fireworks. Uh, what well, Tommy does every 4th of July, he, he, he lights a Crayola and yells, bang. <laughs> <laughs> Incidentally, you know, fire department regulations, we thought we should have something to celebrate the 4th tonight, but the fire department regulations say we cannot have on stage a display of live fireworks. But don't despair. We have a skyrocket under each of your seats. <laughs> We'll be fired off sometime during the show tonight. No, well, this is a nice day today. Beautiful weather out here in California. And um, this is the kind of year, time of year, that Americans kind of set aside their differences and join in a calm celebration. Even in New York City, where they're celebrating the bicentennial, the sanitation workers have agreed to pick up the garbage every 200 years. <laughs> How did, did, you, did you do anything to celebrate the 4th of July today? Did you go out on a picnic or go to the beach or anything like that, Tom? No, but I'll, I'll weigh that. <laughs> He's rolling tonight. No, everybody has their own way of celebrating the 4th of July. For instance, the oil companies are going to celebrate by sending the price of gas skyrocketing.
12: Isn't
0: that nice, So, next year, actually, is the Bicentennial, 1976. You think back 1776, what great men of wisdom we had then, Jefferson, Washington, Franklin, and today... Oh, I spoil the celebration? <laughs> <laughs> so I can't get those famous you, words. John? What? We got you. Ah... <laughs>
12: Your brother?
0: I... I didn't know your brother was coming yes, to my the show. <laughs> Dick follows me everywhere. No, but remember the, what was that famous saying? These are the times that try men's souls. That's the remember one. that? Yeah. It's easy to remember. It was said last week by Mayor Beam in New York. And these are the times. That, you know, we still have Minute Men though today. who spring into action every time somebody wants to pass a gun law. It was just a little social comment, and I should have oh. left that out. <laughs> Did you know... Don't try to do, uh, you know, social comment humor. Did you know one of my ancestors was John Quincy Carson? Really? Yes. Now, the reason you don't see his name on the Declaration of Independence because that particular day he had a guest founding father sign in for him. That's why you don't see it there. Burbank had its annual fireworks display today. It's, uh... It wasn't a biggie. What happens in the Burbank at 9 o'clock, the mayor stands on a chair and turns on his key ring flashlight. <laughs> that's, that's about it. <laughs> now, really, the spirit of 76 has affected everybody. Even Vice President Rockefeller, he celebrated uh, uh, Independence Day. He freed Venezuela today. <laughs> that's what he did. A lot of different people celebrate the holiday differently. Uh, one well-known show business couple has kind of an unusual way. Johnny Mann's wife, in honor of the 4th of July, uh, hangs her husband out the window.
15: <laughs> this is pretty safe and sane, all right. It is, isn't it, though?
0: Yes, see, i skyrocket in a moment. Did you read this in the paper? Where are you going? Stay here. Did you see this in the paper? They had a flood. Where do you think they had a flood? Las Vegas. Las <laughs> Vegas. They don't know it's the 4th of July, but they know that it, they had a flash. They had a flash flood up in Las Vegas, and 100 cars were washed away. They had two and a half inches of rain in something like uh, 2 or 3 hours, and, uh, which is incredible up there. But Las Vegas never stops. They had rowboat junkets. <laughs> to the gambling. One little old lady, it was desperate. They could not get her away from the nickel slot machine. She just stood there during the flood, bailing things out with her Dixie cup. <laughs> anyway.
1: Oh Johnny. Good old Johnny Carson, nineteen seventy five. By the way, uh for people who might not know and maybe for your information, um, Tom, obviously uh Ed had the night off. Ed McMahon had the night off. Doc Severinsen was doing the announcing, so with Doc away from the band, Tommy Dreesen or uh no not Dreesen. What the hell was his last name? Newsom? Newsome? Newsom? Newsom? He would fill in for Doc, uh, uh, and he was always a little bit—he's s- slow on the uptake, absolutely. And yeah. Johnny Johnny would have a, a field day with that. It's always fun to have a space cadet around. Yeah, I mean he was a perfectly nice guy, sure, and an, a, and a very good you know musician. But so whenever Doc took over for Ed when Ed had the night off, he was always he would take over for Doc, and Johnny would be sort of relentless um, but it was funny every time every time geez going back to 19 he t- he mentioned the bicentennial you know back in 1976 when we hit the bicentennial they used to have these things called bicentennial minutes on TV and you could not you could not get away from the bicentennial that in 1976 even even leading up to that 1975 they had they used to have the bicentennial minute and everything was about the bicentennial in 1976 completely nuts um but i mean it was like that it was like almost the entire year it wasn't just around you know the 4th of July it was pretty much all every 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 5 minutes there was some sort of bicentennial yeah, thing i'm looking i'm looking at some of the folks that did uh, bicentennial minutes uh huh. uh looks like Gerald R Ford well, he was president at that he did, he did a bicentennial. Will Rogers Jr. Makes sense. Senator Fritz Hollings. And uh, uh, this seems a little odd. Otto Preminger? <laughs> that does seem odd, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. Who doesn't love Otto Preminger? Anatomy of a Murder, man. You know, among other things. Yeah, he he, he made some crazy movies. You ever see the movie Skidoo? I have not. Oh, Tom. Uh, Skidoo with Jackie Gleason. Notoriously insane movie. And it was Preminger. I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure Otto Preminger made it. And it's considered one of the worst movies ever made. And they show it every once in a while on cable. And it's it's something. Yep, that's uh, Otto Preminger. It's something. I gotta tell you, man. Oh. Truly one of the craziest movies ever made. So... But auto Preminger did a Bicentennial Minute. Who knew? All right. We're going to get back and talk about uh, more brands and items that are still made right here in America. And talk about some of your favorite items. 312-981-7200. 312-981-7200. Okay. Got some weather for you, and then we'll get back to talking about um, some of these items that are made in America. Uh, Today, with warm, very humid air in place and uh, showers and thunderstorms will trigger... Scattered thunderstorms and downpours likely Monday into the Monday night. Uh, Thunderstorms possible early, then partly sunny. Very warm, rather humid. Uh, Highs could approach the 90-degree mark. Again, cooler along the lakefront. Chance of thunderstorms developing again later in the afternoon and continuing into the overnight hours. For tomorrow, tropical air remains in place. Um, Building cumulus clouds again. Scattered showers erupt mainly in the afternoon and continue into the nighttime. Highs in the low 90s, near 80 at the lakeside. For Wednesday, partly cloudy skies, warm and humid. Chances are uh, afternoon or evening thunderstorms. Temperatures will climb into the lower 90s inland. Uh, the beach readings will be closer to 80. Thursday, morning sunshine leads to building clouds and as temperatures will rise. Isolated late day evening thunderstorms are possible. Highs around 90, except upper 70s near the lake shore. Friday, weak high pressure settles over the area, bringing ample sunshine. Heading into the 4th of July weekend, warm but less humid. Highs near 90 inland, 70s at the beach. Currently 74 degrees at O'Hare, 73 at Midway, 71 at the lakefront. Okay, more American items made right here in this country. 312-981-7200 to most it's just another sidewalk or
8: parking lot but to robert r andreas and sons it's a work of art perfectly paved with attention to detail andreas and sons a family-owned chicagoland business with the experience to handle any job patios stairs foundations driveways loading docks warehouse floors andreas and sons does it all commercial industrial or residential if your project requires concrete or asphalt that you need to contact the experts Andreas and Sons for a free estimate call 708-863-5735 that's 708-863-5735 or just visit AndreasConstruction.com Robert R. Andreas and Sons general contractors specializing in high quality professional concrete and asphalt solutions since 1956 call 708-863-5735 that's 708-863-5735 or visit Andreas adreasconstruction.com.
3: Your home is your castle, your refuge, your safe place.
11: Our job at one 800 junk is to make junk disappear. And we're good at it. Your home will feel bigger. And cleaner. And you'll feel happier. We promise. Give us a call. Or go to our website. And your junk will magically disappear as our truck drives past your home. Well, almost. We'll be in and out before you can blink. And our gloved professionals touch nothing except the things you want to Disappear call 1-800-GOT-JUNK or visit
2: one 800 got
15: do you have federal student loan debt? Kaplan Law Firm has the secret to lowering your monthly payment and eliminating thousands of dollars in federal student loan debt. If you work in the public sector, if you're a fireman, a police officer, a doctor, a nurse, you're likely qualified for thousands of dollars of forgiveness of your federal student loans. Not in the public sector, Kaplan Law Firm can still help to reduce your monthly student loan payments. Give Ray Kaplan a call at 312-294-8989 or visit Financial Relief leaf.com.
1: Nick DiGilio here on 720 WGN, live in the Skyline studio here until 4 o'clock, as we are every weekday morning from 11 p.m. to 4 a.m. At 4 o'clock, we head over to Bradley Place, the TV side of WGN, and get some uh, local early morning news from that group. And then at uh, 5 o'clock, it's the legendary Bob Surratt for your morning drive. 312-981-7200 is the phone number if you would like to join us. We're talking about brands that are still made right here in America and some uh, some of the other uh, items. Like Lodge Cookware, Lodge is one of the rare companies that remain family-owned after more than a century of continuous operation. Its foundry in South Pittsburgh, Tennessee, has been in operation since Lodge's start in 1896 and continues to make um, enduring cast-iron cookware in a variety of styles and prices. In 2017, the company fired up uh, a 127,000-square-foot foundry, adding production capacity in the same town. Another American company. Herman Miller Furniture. Uh, Herman Miller is the brand most representative of a sleek, modernist-style furniture that's back in vogue. Industrial designs such as the Aaron um, uh, office chair have become iconic. The brand is based in Zeeland, Michigan. Zeeland? Z-E-E-L-A-N-D. Zeeland, Michigan. And it's kept manufacturing here in the USA with pieces ranging from $500 to $10,000. How about Dr. Bronner's Soap? 16 bucks from Target. Dr. Bronner's makes Castile Soaps and other health products in line with the moral philosophies of its founder and namesake, Emmanuel Bronner. Its soaps, lotions, oils, and balms are all made in America with organic, fair trade products using traditional methods outlined in the information packed product labels. Igloo coolers. Everybody's got an Igloo cooler, right? Many of the most common cooler designs come from Igloo. And the cooler started about 20 bucks. All the company's products come from a 1.4 million square foot facility near Houston, the brand has expanded recently to sell more heavy-duty coolers, resulting in a larger price range of up to more than $260 for iceless thermoelectric units. $260 for a cooler? Jeez. Vitamix Blenders, 450 bucks from Vitamix. 450 bucks. wow. Vitamix was founded in Olmstead Township, Ohio. And the company remains based there today, along with its manufacturing facilities and hundreds of domestic employees. The Blender Company, founded in 1921, now has a full line of commercial and home products available for purchase at many retailers and online. Tervis Drinkware. You ever hear of Tervis Drinkware? Tervis. Tervis. T-E-R-V-I-S. Tervis Drinkware. Since 1946, Tervis has been making tumblers that are uh, customizable and in, insulated using a double-walled design that keeps cold drinks cold and hot drinks hot. The drinkware, starting from 15 bucks, is made in America at a manufacturing facility in North Venice, Florida. Tervis. they got some really cool ones. You gotta get get the custom, yeah. They've got a uh, they've got a Star Wars one, and it's you know like a big tumblr you know it's like a big you know travel mug yeah yeah travel mug. Yeah, yeah yeah but it's han solo frozen in carbonite oh that's pretty cool that's cool they got uh stanley cup champions i mean this one's for the blues but i'm sure you could get no um, no, 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 no no yeah no i'm i'm not gonna get you that one <laughs> believe it or not nick no. i'm not gonna buy you the stanley cup. you know maybe maybe i will maybe i'll just oh. spite you with some uh st louis blues gear no for your birthday yeah no all right, how about Hanky Panky Lingerie? Ooh. Starting at about 15 bucks from Hanky Panky, Hanky Panky makes durable designer lingerie frequently touted for its strength and comfort, thanks in large part to the use of extra thread and stitches. All the fabrics used in its garments are knitted in the United States. You pay less for $20 for basic garments or up to $70 for more complex negligees. Complex negligees? How complex does it get? I was in that band, complex (laughs) negligees, in college. Surprisingly male audience. Uh, Yeah. Smith & Wesson Guns. I feel like that goes without saying. Yeah. Smith & Wesson was founded in Springfield, Massachusetts in 1852 and grew into the nation's largest handgun maker. Expanding its operations to include handcuffs, knives, tactical law enforcement tools. And they now have an actual uh, called American Outdoor Brands. Its guns made legendary by their use in the Civil War and by Clint Eastwood in the film Dirty Harry are made in facilities in Maine and Tennessee as well as Springfield. Prices start at $347. The most powerful handgun in the world. It can blow your head clean off. You got to ask yourself a question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, punk? Have you paid your dues, Jack? Yes, it's, sir. The check is in the mail. It's funny because people get that quote wrong. Well, they say, "Do you feel lucky, punk?" It's well, it's it's he doesn't say that. Right. People people, people say, "Do you, you feel do you lucky?" F- you feel lucky, punk. That's not what he says. He's uh he's saying, "Do I feel lucky?" cuz he's pretending to be the man, the guy. You got to ask yourself a question. Do I feel lucky?
11: Well, do you,
1: punk? If he said that in every movie he ever made, it would have made his career even better. Sudden Impact is the is the Dirty Harry movie with the most catchphrases. The whole, I mean, there's a million one-liners in Sudden Impact. Is that the, because there's five of them? Yeah, it's the, it was 1983. Sudden Impact was in 1983. So that would have been number four. Yeah. The final be, one is this The Deadpool, Deadpool. Yeah. And that's the 90s. Uh, yeah, that's when Jim Carrey was in well, it. Jim Carrey was in it, yeah. That was, yeah, this is Dirty Harry, Magnum Force. Uh, um, third one, the third one is Enforcer, the Enforcer, right? Sudden Impact, the Deadpool, right? Sudden Impact, I'm serious, is nothing but catchphrases, it's just all one liners. May I make a statement? Sure, your mouthwash ain't making it. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, it's all catchphrases, the whole movie. Hey, how about this? Wiffle balls are made in America. Did you ever play wiffle ball? I did. I was never very good at it, though. Oh, I loved wiffle ball. Never very good at anything, hitting any balls with sticks. $10 for the bat and ball from Amazon. Because you get the bat and the balls on top in that little cardboard container. The lightweight wiffle ball was invented in the 1950s by a former semi-pro baseball player who wanted to help his son avoid injury while practicing. His invention has become a staple of backyard ball games since. Little else about the company has changed. The products are still cheap, the dimensions are still the same, and the manufacturing uh, operations are still in Shelton, Connecticut. Slinkies made in America. Well, where else are you going to make a slinky? Eight bucks for me, $8 for a slinky? The Slinky introduced by naval engineer Richard James in nineteen forty five is one of the most successful toys in history. The company is now owned by a larger toy corporation, Alex Brands, but Slinkies are still made at the same facility in Holidaysburg, Pennsylvania. Well, that's an interesting name for a town, right? Holidaysburg. Vermont teddy bears. Well of course. Where I mean it's the, the, the name of the brand is Vermont. Of course, it's going to be it's going to be made here. Steinway pianos, starting at sixty nine thousand seven hundred dollars. That is a priceless Steinway. Nothing more. You must be the beekeeper. <laughs> funniest Pink Panther movie of all time. Curse of the Pink Panther. Funniest movie that they did. Hallmark greeting cards are in. Uh, are in America. So, uh, all right, there you go. Uh, so there you go. We're going to talk um, about uh, Japan is uh, offering a, a ninja studies degree. And uh, we're going to talk more about that, too. 312-981-7200. Nick DiGilio here on 720 WGN. We're live in the Skyline studio here until 4, uh, as we are every weekday morning. And Coming up after four is uh, some uh, local uh, news over from uh, WGN TV, early morning news. And then at five o'clock, it is, of course, Bob Surratt. 312 981 7200 is the phone number if you would like to join us. And uh, we're talking, we're going to talk about um, uh, Japanese University awards first ever ninja studies degree. <laughs> Tom, did you did, did did you ever take any unusual classes? Um, I guess the most unusual thing I took, or the most out of the way I ever took, was Polish literature. Polish literature, yes. And I'm gonna say this right now: one of my favorite classes I ever took. What did you, you what did you read? We read Solaris. Oh, okay. I've never read the book. I've seen the movie. Yeah, which, you know, the movie, like the one from the 70s by Tarkovsky, that's really weird. This book is even weird. Is that right? Yeah, and really technical and odd. Um, I actually like the Clooney version, too. Yeah, some people really stand by it. Yeah. They no, I really like it. It's not, it. I mean, it's not the masterpiece that the Tarkovsky uh, no. movie is, but but uh it's a it was a really strange if you read book. Solaris, wow. Um that that you know that Witcher series on yes. Netflix? Yeah. I read those books cuz those were originally written by a Polish author. Um a lot of stuff that was written during the Cold War. Um yeah, it was it was really interesting. I learned about all the history of Poland. You know, I was I I did not grow up uh, around a lot of people that, well, I mean, I'm, I think they were Polish, but like but generations back. So I just gained, I gained a whole new perspective, but it had nothing to do with anything I was studying. I was getting a minor in English and they were like, yeah, this doesn't even really count towards it. And I was like, yeah, but it sounds cool. So I took it anyway. That's cool. Uh, well, it, was, it was a great experience. A great experience about a great culture and a great people. That's cool. That's very cool. But, you know, maybe I could have learned how to make... Punch keys or something like that. That would have been that would have been a nice bonus. But I learned there. Yeah. I learned a little literature. Well, that's cool. Um. Yeah. If you've ever taken any unusual courses or unusual classes, three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. Let me say hello to Thomas. Go ahead, Thomas.
5: Hey Nick, I'm feeling pretty dumb after talking about Polish literature. Now bringing yeah. up ninja movies. <laughs>
6: But anyway, I was wondering if uh, you'd be interested in
5: this because you're talking about ninjas, so I just jumped on. A um, couple of films. Uh, one is an anime film called The Ninja Scroll. I know you didn't like horror and ninjas mixed together in that. And the other one is called Ninja Wars. Have you ever seen that? It's about some zombie ninjas bringing no. people back to life after killing them and so forth. It was no. made in
6: like the no. mid to late 70s. Suggest you look for it. It's excellent. Sounds great. It stars Sonny Chiba. Oh, Sonny
1: Chiba's ones. in it. Oh, well. Yeah. Uh, okay. All yeah, right. You should see it. It's great. Yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm definitely going to see it. I'm definitely going to check that one out. All right. Thanks, Thomas. All right. All right bye. Bye. Sonny Chiba? Chiba? The Street Fighter? Sonny Chiba rules. You ever see, I'm trying to remember the name of the movie where he fights a bull. I'm not <laughs> I'm not kidding. Yeah. That's uh, one of Tarantino's favorites, Sonny Chiba. Was it Champion of Death? Is that what it is? I think so, yeah. He the, fights a bull in it. Yeah, the theatrical poster is him fighting a bull. Well, there it is. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so any unusual uh, classes that you've ever taken? Three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. So Japan has produced its first Ninja Studies graduate after Jinichi Mitsuhashi spent two years honing his martial arts skill and absorbing the finer traditions of the feudal martial arts agents. The 45-year-old completed the master's uh, course at my university in central Japan, the region considered to be the home of the ninja. Oh, the home of the ninja! In addition to researching historical documents, Mitsuhashi said he took the practical aspect of being a ninja to heart. I read that ninjas worked as farmers in the morning and trained in martial arts in the afternoon. So Mitsuhashi grew vegetables and worked on his martial arts techniques in addition to copious ninja study in the classroom. Copious ninja study. Uh, With this combination, I thought I could learn about the real ninja, he said. Better known as black-clad assassins famous for secrecy and stealth, ninjas are also had comprehensive, su- comprehensive survival skills, he added. Mitsuhashi, um, who has also learned kung fu and a Japanese martial art known as Sorinji Kenpo, teaches ninja skills at his own dojo and runs a local inn while pursuing his Ph.D. Mi University set up the world's first research center devoted to the ninja in 2017 and opened a graduate course a year later. Located in Aiga, which is 220 miles southwest of Tokyo, a mountain-shrouded city once home to many ninja, Yuji Yamada, a professor of Japanese history at the university, is in charge of the ninja center, was surprised at Mitsuhashi's devotion to the task. We provide historical classes and courses on ninja skills, I didn't expect him to engage to this extent. Like a real living ninja, Yamada said. To enroll, students have to take an exam on Japanese history and a reading test on historical ninja documents. About three students enroll every year. I think there's demand, said the professor. We get many inquiries from overseas, but I have to say one thing. This is a course to learn about the ninja, not to become one. So you're not going to become a ninja. Darn it. you have a favorite ninja movie (laughs) that's a tough one that's a tough one yeah i don't know if i've watched a lot that are specifically about ninjas man i mean Uh uh-huh probably ninja three the domination i mean ninja three the domination what's her name from breaking yeah yeah lucinda is it lucinda dickey is that her name She's from Breaking and Breaking 2, Electric Boogaloo, and then she starred in Ninja 3, The Domination. Yeah, Lucinda Dickey. Yeah. James Hong. Everybody it? had everybody had a big crush on her. I mean- Everybody we- did. I know, first of all, Eric and Colin both have massive crushes on her. By the way, Eric Childress' birthday today. Happy birthday, Eric. He's one week We are always one week up, Well, yeah, because our birthdays don't change every year, but yeah. we're one week apart. <laughs> Exactly one week apart. So Yeah, I, I like American Ninja. I thought American Ninja was pretty cool. But yeah, Ninja Three to Domination with Lucinda Dickey is classic. Who else would have the uh Sho Kazugi was the big uh Yeah, he was the big bad He's, he was the big ninja dude. Yeah. Well who else would have the uh, wherewithal to combine the plot of the exorcist with the ninja movie? Oh yeah, I know. It's a, it's a it's a nuts in the movie's nuts but there was a time in the in the 80s when there was a ninja movie released every week yeah and they were they were big news oh my god there were there was a there was a new ninja movie released pretty much every week just move your move your stock into ninja movies yeah so uh did you ever have any unusual courses like weird classes did they did they ever offer any weird classes maybe you didn't take them but maybe your school was like yeah here's something weird you know, they did. Uh, did you know that years ago they offered a class in um, the study of Keanu Reeves? <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember what school it was, but it was. I uh, think it had to be in California. My guess would be uh, Stanford. Um, Maybe <laughs> I don't know. I can't remember, but it was a study in Keanu Reeves, the philosophy of Keanu Reeves, and you would watch his movies. And I, I'm not. I'm not making that up. It's real. So that uh maybe nineteen ninety-four? Some that, that sounds, sounds around Yeah. Uh the a film instructor at the Art Center College of Design in Pasadena. Of course. Totally I uh, had a totally excellent idea this semester. <laughs> yep. The study of Keanu. Uh unusual classes. If you want to jump in, three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. And Nick DeGilio on seven twenty WGN.
6: I close my eyes.
1: <laughs> oh, Dean Stockwell. Into the magic night. Dennis Hopper crying. Because he's so moved by the performance. You want to come with Raymond? Come with Raymond. <laughs> That's one of my favorite lines in the entire movie. Uh, it's Nick DeGilio on 720 WGN. Live in the Skyline Studio here. We are talking about. Um, unusual college courses because you can be you can study the world of ninja that's it's actually a major so if you've ever taken any weird courses or they were offered some weird strange college courses we'd love to hear from you steve on wgn hi steve
3: hey um i shared this with you years ago but when i first went to otis parsons um one of the electives was introduction to ornamental horticulture Okay, and I didn't know if it was going to be florist. Didn't know it turned out to be just. Uh, it was. It was a weird, almost like a marijuana class.
1: Oh, all right.
3: But uh, just the title of it, I just thought you'd get a
11: kick out of. Yeah. Okay, thanks, Steve. Yeah. All
1: right, I've got some more here, and I also I was looking on a website. How about this one? Introduction to turntablism. T- turn like a DJ. Yeah. Oberlin Experimental College is where it's offered—an intro course on becoming a DJ you always knew you could be. Giant robot mask not included. God. Oberlin has to be the king of weird classes. I bet, because they I, I, is Experimental College in the title of yeah. Oberlin. Yeah. That's just that's always been their thing. I've always wanted to talk to someone who went to Oberlin. I've never met anybody that went to Oberlin, but it just it just fascinates me. Yeah. As a place. Cause they've they've just they'll just do anything. Uh how about uh hashtag selfie class? University of Southern California in Los Angeles, California. Shocker there. Yeah. Can we stop for a selfie? In this class, students hold discussions and in individual in- in- interviews as they critically examine society's influence on self identity and how selfies reflect and affect the global culture in which we live. You gotta be kidding me! Someone is spending like what I don't know x amount of dollars a year, thousands of dollars a year. Kids taking hashtag selfie one hundred and one or whatever Ridiculous. the hell. Ridiculous. Oh, my God. How about raptor natural history, conservation, and captive management? This is at Cornell. Ooh. Uh, Unfortunately, the raptors in this case are birds of prey, not dinosaurs, which is a bummer. Uh, How about this? Elvish, the language of uh, Lord of the Rings. University of Wisconsin. For those interested in chatting up with Legolas and... uh, and look no further than this, caught, than this uh, course taught by a leading expert in Sindarin, which is the official term for Elvish. Oh, my God. I'm not surprised. I'm, I'm trying to figure out. It just says University of Wisconsin. Does it specify the campus? No. I'm going to say that's Stevens point. I'm going to take a shot in the dark. All right. How about um, Circus Arts? Offered at Triton College. Right here in River Grove. The continuing education class offers instructions in various circus acts such as perch pole. The hell is perch pole? Is that that thing where you're up on the where you're sitting in the on top of a pole, I guess? That's about right, yeah. Clowns and Russian swing, just to name a few. Also, for the past 25 years it has been producing the Triton Trooper Circus. Russian Swing. I don't know what that is. I figured that was a really painful dance style. I have no idea what that is. How about... if you And if you've had any weird uh, classes that you took or they were offered, 312-981-7200. 312-981-7200. Let's talk. How to win a beauty pageant, race, gender, culture, and the U.S. national identity. Seems a little intense. How to win a beauty pageant. Oberlin College in Oberlin, Ohio. Again. Here you, you go. Oberlin. This class studies the history of beauty pageants and analyzed how race, gender, class, sexuality, and nationality factor into a pageant. Although students do not participate in an actual beauty pageant, they visit one in Ohio. <laughs> Can you see that? A bunch of a bunch of college kids at a beauty pageant just, like, taking notes. It's ridiculous. I think they should have to participate. I think that should be part of the grade, participation grade. Okay, are you ready for this one? Maple syrup, the real thing. (laughs) Alfred University in Alfred, New York. This class will explore the history of maple syrup production, discover the ins and outs of making syrup, create and eat some sweet confections, and take field trips to local producers, restaurants, and festivals. No prior experience expected. Sign us up. You like maple syrup? Big fan of maple syrup. That sounds like a pretty cool class then. What was the name of that horrible syrup that you used to have to eat when you went to- Caro. Caro? Yeah, Caro. Caro syrup. Yeah. Just corn syrup, right? It's not even maple. It was disgusting. It was a dark corn syrup. They had also made a light one too. Yeah, Caro syrup. That should be illegal. Yeah. Every time I stayed over at my friend every time I spent the night over at my friend Dan Long's house, you know, they would make breakfast in the morning and they only had Kero syrup. I'd be like, What? Why would you do this? Why would you do this to me? The first time I, I didn't know I didn't know what it tasted like. I just thought, oh, here's some syrup. So I poured poured it pretty liberally on my pancakes. And I took one bite and I was like, What the hell is this? Now maybe as I've grown older and my taste buds have matured, but you know when you're a little kid and you have to eat caro syrup, I it was like, What, what am I what, what what is this? What 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 is this? Where's the Mrs. Butterworth? Yeah, exactly. Where's like maple syrup, like good, sweet maple syrup? This stuff is terrible. Do you think we, if you tried it again today, do you think I, well, you might be able to stomach it? I don't know. I I you know, I'd be willing to try it, but the thing is I have such a horrible memory attached to it. You know what I mean? Like this stuff is terrible. It it was, it was I just remember it just being awful. You know, the last time we talked about this, I realized that I, I could have just put jelly on my, coulda on my on my pancakes. I would just eat them with butter every time I went over. <laughs> just eat them with butter, and that was it. No syrup, caro syrup. And they, you know, they, like I said, they have the light and the dark, and the dark's even worse. Even worse. Um, maple syrup, the real thing. I think that would be kind of a fun class. I enjoy the maple syrup. I've always wanted to go and like harvest maple syrup. Because don't you just kind of put. You tap it into You tap. You you, tap into you it. You tap your, your tree. Now, do you. I know this seems like a dumb question. Do you put like an actual spigot in there? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Like a, a tree spigot? Yeah. Just. Wow. That's how you get the. That's how you get the syrup out. I want to go harvest my own maple syrup. I, I know go. friends who've done, who, who've taken, you know, who've ta- who's taken like some time. class and, and, and did a tour, and said it was fantastic. I, where should I go? Vermont? I don't know. I feel like Vermont probably has maple syrup. Canada. And obviously. then you get you get your own maple syrup that you are responsible for, like you made it. Well, you didn't make it. You yeah. harvested it. <laughs> I grew this tree and I made this syrup. I made this syrup. I made it. Tree Mine. had nothing to do with it. Can you imagine if it tasted like it was like a bad? I'm sure there's bad batches of syrup though. Yeah. You're like, look everybody, I paid, you know, eighty dollars. I learned how to tap into a tree and turn on a spigot and get maple syrup out here. Try it. They're all just making the face like you just gave them karo syrup. Yeah. God, karo syrup. All right. How about this one? Topics of comparative medium. American pro wrestling. There we go. Now, now we're talking. You might have a master's degree in that already. Massachusetts Institute of Technology in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Wait, MIT? Yeah, <laughs> MIT offers a pro wrestling, a pro wrestling uh, class. Where did wrestling come from? Why do people like watching it and uh, doing it so much? Is it sport or spectacle? It's both, man. What does it say about masculinity? This class answers all of these questions and more. I would take that class, and I'd be the I'd be the smartest one in the room. Maybe we could teach it. Uh, I don't know about that. How about this: tight watery or the good life on a dollar day a day? Alfred University in Alfred, New York. They offer some weird classes at this Alfred University. Yeah, they say money can't buy you happiness, but living frugally just might, and that's what this class is all about. From uncovering how corporations try to convince people that they need to buy more stuff, to cost-cutting and budgeting tips. However, the course is less concerned with cutting coupons than it is with the question Socrates, uh, or or as Bill and Ted say, Socrates uh, asked long ago, "What is the good life for a human being?" There's the question. Tight, right there. tight watery. Tight, watery. <laughs> All right. Uh, Have you ever taken a strange class? Has uh, your school ever offered a very weird class? Some unusual classes? And the study of Keanu? I would have taken that class. Because I study Keanu anyway. All right. All right. I got some weather for you here. And uh, and then we'll get back to the uh, conversation about some very strange courses that you can take. 312 981 7200. Warm and very humid air are going to be in place. It'll trigger uh, some scattered thunderstorms and downpours likely Monday into the Monday night. Uh, Thunderstorms possible early, then partly sunny. Very warm, rather humid. Uh, We could approach the 90-degree mark, cooler along the lakefront. Chance of thunderstorms developing again later in the afternoon and continuing into the overnight hours. Tomorrow, Tuesday, tropical air remains in place. Clouds will begin. uh, Scattered thunderstorms erupt in the afternoon and continue into the nighttime. Highs in the low 90s inland and about near 80 lakeside. Um, For Wednesday, partly cloudy skies, warm, humid, slight chance of afternoon or evening thunderstorms. Temperatures will climb to the lower 90s inland. Uh, Beach readings will be close to 80. For Thursday, morning sunshine leads to building clouds and temperatures rise. Isolated late day, evening and evening thunderstorms possible. High around 90 degrees, upper 70s immediate lake shore. For Friday, uh, weak high pressure settles over, bringing in some ample sunshine heading into the 4th of July weekend. Warm, but much less humid. Highs near 90 inland, 70s at the beach. Uh, it is 74 right now at O'Hare, 73 at Midway, and 71 at the lakefront. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll jump back into this, the weirdest college classes. And uh, if you've ever taken a weird course or been offered one, 312-981-7200. All right. Hello. Nick DiGilio here on 720 WGN. We're live in the Skyline studio, and we're here until 4. My dad is going to call in and tell a joke because it's Monday, and it's a jokey, jokey, jokey time, but it's a special one this week because it is my dad's 300th joke. Joke number 300, if you can believe that. So uh, that's fun. 312-981-7200 is the uh, number here. We're talking about some very weird actual college courses that are offered they're real we're not making it up you can do ninja studies you can do all kinds of crazy stuff so um, how about this one here's a course it's simply called The Phallus (laughs) it's offered at Occidental College Occidental Uh uh-huh yeah It says, explore a variety of theories on the phallus through the lens of Freud, feminism, and queer theory and the relation of the phallus to the penis. Drop a letter grade every time someone makes a that's-what-she-said joke. What are you studying? The phallus. How about street-fighting mathematics? Massachusetts Institute of Technology. Come on, man. What's going on with MIT? They got a fight club going on in the basement is what they got going on. For those interested in measuring the velocity of a punch to the jaw, this course teaches students to analyze fighting with math. Wow. Okay. Um, Superior beings, if they exist, how would we know? What is that, Alfred University? In this course, students apply game theory to omnipotence, omniscience, immortality, and incomprehensibility. I don't even—I have no idea what this course would be. What does that even mean? It's—I guess it's kind of like if the Superman exists, would he know about it? You know what I mean? (laughs) All right. Get get you got to get get out get out into space, man. You got to see what's going on. You got to. I, I don't. I have no idea what what that even means. <laughs> uh, here's Mel on WG. And go ahead, Mel.
14: Yeah, Nick. Hi there. Yeah, great show as always. Listen, well now, darn it, I got a couple things real quick. <laughs> University out east uh, called Brown, and my understanding, there's no grades. So years and years ago, I don't know what the status is now, but years and years ago, some of the rock stars or whatever, you know, as time would go by, they'd send their kids there. But uh, I understand, you know, there's no law school or whatever, but uh, you went there, you got an education, but uh, you know, there was no grades given. So if you had the financial, this, that, and the other, your kid went there and everything was fine <laughs> from that side. Now, the other one is small school down in Carbondale, SIU. Yeah. Uh, This was also folklore. I mean, this was years and years ago. Okay. Okay, here goes, guys. The swimming instructor was telling the kids around the pole that if anybody here could save me as I'm attempting to drown, I will automatically put an A on your class right here and i'll show it to everybody or if you can't save me because i'm splashing around then i will fail you but you have a choice you don't have to show up during the semester uh lifeguard uh course so one kid said okay i'll give it a go so the instructor swam out to the pool of the pool somewhere and the story goes you know he's flailing around and and uh What you're supposed to do, if you're a lifeguard, because the person is flailing around out of control, he swam up to the instructor, (laughs) punched him him in the mouth, enough to stun the guy, which means he could drag him to the side of the pool and save the instructor. He saved the guy literally because he dragged him over to uh, the side of the pool. The instructor got out of the pool, said, see, I put an A down. By his name, he's excused for the rest of the course. So he passed the course. I got, you know, he's got an A. Then the instructor goes, "Well, before we leave this uh, and go, and go on, he punched the kid right in the mouth." Wow. wow. Yeah, you know, folklore would have it, but I mean, that's just one uh, one example of folklore. But literally, you know, he said, "Anybody can save me." You know, yeah, so go ahead and save me, and I will. Yeah, but hey, and what's really supposed to do? Because we, because really, when you're drowning, you're, you know, you're more than, you know, between the adrenaline going, you really have to stun. I mean, you really have to grab the guy or the person. Right. right. So he punched. He punched the instructor right in the mouth.
1: Right. Like, I got gotcha. you.
14: Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's thanks, Mel. Three
1: one two nine eight one seven two hundred. Punched the guy right in the mouth. You got. You got to stun the guy. How about a class called Cyber Porn and Society? I I don't even want to know. It's uh, University of Buffalo. Unfortunately for porn connoisseurs, this class explores internet porn's effects on technology and human relationships. Nothing about appreciation or production. Here's a class. Golf Course Management. It's uh, Tarleton State University. Maintain the green... Build a better sand trap, budget your business, and take field trips to golf courses. How about that? I'd love to be a groundskeeper. Really? You could be groundskeeper Willie. Uh, You could be Carl from uh, Caddyshack. Yeah. It's 40 years old, that movie. Isn't that nuts? And so is is, uh, Blues Brothers. Yeah, 40 years. Blues Brothers came out 40 years ago. It was in 1980. Summer of 1980. Which also makes Prom Night 40 years old. The Fog 40 years old. A long time ago. I was in high school, man. You're old. I was 15. 15. Um, how about The Art of Walking? we have to take a class on that? The Art of Walking. Um, Center College in Danville, Kentucky. No, this class isn't about how to put one foot in front of the other. In this class, students read works of philosophers before getting out on walking tours of up to 25 miles. Though Nature and Educational Sites... Through nature, Nature and Educational Sites... It's also been taught off-campus in France and Germany as part of the school's study abroad program. Wow. The art of walking. All right. 312-981-7200. If you want to join us with some weird college courses that maybe you took or were offered. How about... Extreme lit with an is no E, just a capital X. Extreme lit That's you know it's really extreme. Northern Illinois University. Not content to let their students be worshippers of Thoreau without ever visiting a pond themselves, this course sends participants on outdoor adventures that correspond with the class reading. Oh that sounds pretty cool. Um, writing vi- writing for video games and emerging media. Well, now that's that's that makes sense because it's you know the video game industry is insane, insanely popular. Ithaca College—that's where it's it's they offered it at Ithaca. Students learn how to write for and design their own video games. A class for students who want to write something more brain melting than bioshock infinite is that a game tom yeah it's a good one too bioshock infinite what's the point of that uh i'm trying to think how to phrase this you go up to a city in the sky where it's like uh america 1912 essentially something like that and you ride skyhooks and you shoot people that sounds weird I know, but if it were a movie, it'd be right up your alley. Okay. Uh, here's John on WGN. Go ahead, John.
12: Nick, uh, I took a class in 1976 called Electronic Music for Music Teachers. <laughs> Let me elaborate. So there was, uh, I had three friends and we were like all in broadcasting, and the, one of my friends, who was kind of like Ellis Costello, said, oh, you guys ought to take this class. Well, It ended up an elective. It wasn't anything towards broadcasting or journalism. So we're in it and and everybody else is a music major and uh, and they're all over there at the music building all the time. And the teacher came up with these exercises. They had a Putney synthesizer in a room, but at the the time it really could make more than just weird tones. And uh, the teacher would have us like record the tones on a tape and he'd grade us on it. And uh, the problem with Taking that course was that we had big, you know. I like I had a big class load and um, and I couldn't get over the music building a lot. And uh, one night I showed up late and the teacher got mad at me and he sent me out of the classroom. He said, "If you go back, he said, go home." He said, "He said I don't want you in the classroom." So I go back to the dorm and I'm waiting, waiting uh, there and I'm kind of sulking. And my friends come back to the dorm and they said. I said, "You know, you really did something to, to make him mad." He said, "He said, he said, I can't teach a class tonight, and, and, uh, uh, and he just sent us all home." So I, I was kind of shocked, and I called the teacher up and I, and I said, "What was the problem?" I said, "I said I really wasn't trying to to cause a disturbance, but I, I uh, wasn't feeling well." And he said, "Well, I didn't want you to infect the students." But anyway. Uh, he gave us uh, an assignment towards the end of the course, and it was to make an original tape. And uh, I took some sounds that weren't really musical and put them on the tape. And I called my composition, dried up uh, concerto for a Green Magic Marker, and I got an A on it. Wow!
1: Well, there you go, John. It all worked out in the end.
12: Yeah, it worked out in the end. Yeah.
1: All right. Thanks, John. Three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. Okay, I got the weather here, and then uh, my dad is going to tell a joke, and it's joke number 300. Joke number
0: 300. It's the best part of the week, baby. It's time to hear something funny. Here
11: we go. With your music intro. Ah! It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time.
1: It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad tells a joke.
0: Hey, it's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad tells
1: a joke. Oh yes! Here we go. That's right. Every uh, Monday morning, my dad tells a joke. We like to kick off your work week with a laugh from my dad. He's been telling jokes his whole life, and uh, so we thought we would uh, have him on the show to tell some jokes. He is at. This is going to be joke number three hundred, if you can believe it. <laughs> A little applause for that. Uh, So let's say hello to my dad. Hey, Dad. Hey, Matt. How you doing? Good, good. Good. How's Ma? How are you? Good. All right. 300 jokes, Dad. Can you believe it? The first joke was told on November the 18th, 2013. November the 18th, 2013 was the first joke. Yes. Wow. Oh, boy. All right. Here's my joke. All right. Here we go. Number 300.
7: A wife comes home late one night and quietly opened the door to the bedroom from under the blanket she sees four legs instead of her husband just two she reaches for a baseball bat starts hitting the blanket as hard as she could once you were done you went to the kitchen to have a drink as she enters she sees her husband there reading a magazine he says hi darling your parents have come in to visit us so i let them stay in our bedroom did you say hello
1: All right, there it is. All right, man. Okay, Dad, thanks, buddy. Thank you. Yep, there you go. Joke number 300 for my dad. Here we go. That was jokey, jokey, jokey time. It was a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad told a joke. we will do it again next week. That'll be uh, joke number 301. So uh, congratulations to my dad. November 2013 was the first time he he, uh, told a joke on the show. Isn't that amazing? I was a sophomore in high school, or know, not high school, know. college. College. All right, I was going to say, wasn't that yeah. you're not that young? <laughs> okay. Um, weird college courses. If you want to jump in, three one two nine eight one seven twenty. Are you ready for this one? The sociology of Miley Cyrus. <laughs> I'm surprised that anybody was able to figure that out. Skidmore College in Saratoga Springs, New York. Skidmore. Yeah. This class studies Miley Cyrus from her rise as a Disney star through her adolescence and finally to her career now. However, the class isn't just a Miley fan club. It covers broader topics such as race, class, entertainment, fame, and gender and culture, using Miley and her life as a frame of reference. All right. Does it study how to stick your tongue out? <laughs> Did you ever take any weird courses? No. I mean, I, I barely went to college. I studied film at Columbia. I didn't think anything weird. Although we had a weird teacher. What was his deal? He was just he was weird. He drank a lot of wine. (laughs) Like during (laughs) class, he'd be drinking wine. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. That's bold. That's pretty bold. And then, like you know, the movies that he chose because this was a a a film course where we watched movies, and it was in it was in the main auditorium, so it wasn't like on TV. These were actual. Yeah, like it was movie projected screen. and everything yeah. like that. But he showed stuff like The Bicycle Thief. Like, how many how many times can you can you see that movie? I mean, every single movie course. What, the one by Vittorio De Sica? Yeah. I mean, it's a great movie. It's a great movie, but that's not... I mean, I'd seen it by that point. I had seen it like 800 times. And I was like, really, seriously? We're going to study this movie? And then he wanted us to write a piece on Steven Spielberg? And it was like 1983 at this time? A little early, a little early to be. Uh, well, ready. I mean, he had made at that, at that point. He, you know, he, et e. was already made. Yeah, and, you know, du- he would have done dual Jaws, Close yeah. Encounters, et. Yeah. E. So yeah, I guess so. Yeah, but I don't know. I, don't, I just it, it didn't seem like. I mean, I wanted to learn more about film. I didn't want to write about Steven Spielberg and watch The Bicycle Thief for the nine hundredth time. <laughs> <laughs> so. Drank wine all the time. Every single class. <laughs> that just seems out of whack. Yeah. How about the anthropology of magic, witchcraft, and religion? Is that a class that would interest you, Tom? Well, I mean, if it means I get to hang out with the rest of the craft. Moore Park College. Want to enchant strangers? Enchant strangers, hex your enemies? transfigure vermin into key tea kettles and anthropologically dissect the difference between various belief systems. this course is the does that does one of those things. Um, I think I saw an ad for that in the back of a magazine. <laughs> How about a, a course just called the meaning of life? Rhode Island School of Design. Some philosophy classes cut straight to the chase. Oh, here you go. Introduction to wines. Maybe it's taught by my old teacher. It's Cornell. Cornell University. Here's the class that teaches people to use words like oaky and tannins on how to taste if the barrel of the wine was stored in oak or mahogany. Does it pair well with boxed line wine? Here's a class right here. Wasting time on the internet. Really, s- s- seriously, you have to have a class for that? You and I could probably teach that. We spend our... This is at uh, University of Pennsylvania uh, in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. We spend our lives in front of screens mostly wasting time checking social media, watching cat videos, chatting, and shopping. What if these activities, clicking, sm uh, uh, ing. Uh, Status updating and random surfing were used as raw material for creating compelling and emotional works of literature. Using our laptops and a Wi-Fi connection as our only materials, this class will focus on the recuperation of of aimless surfing into substantial works of literature. Students will be required to stare at the screen for three hours. Only interacting through chat rooms, bots, social media and uh, listservs. All right, there you go. How about furniture making? Sounds- well, that sounds, that sounds useful. Yeah, it is useful, I think. MIT. Uh, did you really like shop class in high school? Is shop class still a thing? Uh, whatever, this class teaches you the history of furniture making and woodworking techniques so you can furnish your dorm with a bunch of sweet handcrafted coffee tables. How about UFOs in American Society from Temple University? So, all right, some weird classes for you there, and uh, they're available for you. Okay, Uh, we got the news coming up.